tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. Our free phone number won't cost you to make a call to us. And Ali is looking after the programme today. Coming up on the show this morning, we'll speak to Johnny Luby in just a few moments' time. What now for RTE and uh, the Media Minister following last night's shock resignation of the RTE chair? We have the latest on the Templemore swimming pool controversy. A temporary business owner says their future is at risk following a burglary there. A temporary councillor is divided on speed bumps and our Friday panel will unpack the topics of uh, the week. So all of that and much, much more on the way. You can text and WhatsApp 083 311 You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Look at uh, the front pages. Uh, much talk about RTE as you can imagine. Uh, on the front pages, but the um, the news of uh, Shun Lee Raleigh's uh, resignation came too late for the papers. Uh, the Irish Daily Mail saying that Minister Catherine Martin said she was misinformed twice this week by the chair of the RTE board over a controversial exit package at the broadcaster. And of course, uh, these were remarks that uh, the minister made on primetime last night. Uh, the Irish Times, and again, uh, the RTE story there, Minister for Media Catherine Martin has said she was misinformed by the chair of the RTE board when Shun Lee Raleigh uh, provided assurances and that the board had no role in si- signing off on recent exit packages for senior executives. We'll be speaking about this later on as well. Also on the Times today, interesting one, World GAA, the association's international body, is hoping to have a Gaelic football, hurling and camogie uh, included as Olympic sports at a future Games. And this emerged with the launch of a first strategic plan for the Games overseas in Newry, where this year's GAA Annual Congress is being held today and tomorrow. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? Uh, the Irish Examiner, and uh, the only uh, newspaper today, in fact, that doesn't have RT on its front page, is their main story today, telling us that rents in regional cities are soaring close to €2,000 per month, despite an overall slowdown in rent inflation and the average monthly rent has increased by 500 euros since before COVID to a rather crippling 850 euro a month with uh, some regional cities seeing rents uh, rise by more than twice the national rate. Also in the examiner today, a little bit of nostalgia in some ways because Ireland's last remaining payphone boxes are to be finally decommissioned by the end of the year. The utility firm air has said that the decision has been taken due to a rapid fall in demand for their use, but a number of boxes will instead now be used to house defibrillators or be repurposed to house electric vehicle chargers. And finally, a look at the Indo. And again, RTE making the headline there, RTE's chair... Uh, chair's future is now in doubt after the row with the Minister and of course as we're well aware at this point just before one o'clock uh, this morning uh, Shun Niralik uh, tendered her resignation. The front of the Indo is dominated by a, p- a picture of a woman who claimed to have suffered uh, disabling injuries in a car accident which left her unable to work for over five years but she had her €760,000 plus claim dismissed 
after she admitted winning a Christmas tree throwing competition. And there is a picture of the said lady throwing a Christmas tree on the front of the Indo today. So if you want to make comment on any of that, we would love to hear from you. Once again, text WhatsApp 83 311 It's time for Johnny Luby. Good morning, Johnny. Good morning, friend. More news from RTE this morning, Johnny. Yeah, the other might have to throw my Christmas tree out, friend. It's unbelievable what's going on. To get $760, awarded the first time 760000 and then be caught on camera throwing away a Christmas tree. Throwing away a Christmas tree and smiling while you're doing it. It's a great story. Modern Ireland is still raving by. Isn't it just him? Look, look, you know. Ah, Jim, stop the lights. And then we have the... They were enough about playing Holland in the Olympics. Yeah, what do you make of that? I think it's the greatest load of crap of all time. <laughs> we have enough to do to run the All Ireland competitions and con- and try and get the matches over, club matches, not to be playing them uh, Christmas Day and Stevens Day and everything else. And here we'll just say if Golden were lucky enough to have a player gone off to the Olympics playing Holland, which would be which would sound brilliant. <laughs> but here Golden can play a match until he comes back. <laughs> I mean, for God's sake, stop the lights. Look, I, I don't know, friend. Have you anybody uh, in mind for Golden who could go? Oh, you see the top. <laughs> <laughs> myself for <laughs> the top see the top price of course is can they get a week a, a week away or fortnight away and things like that and mm. then you have the physios going over and one of my god above tonight who would you play China or Japan <laughs> I'd love to be playing against Russia and be marking Putin or whatever his name is and hit him one crack of a bloody holy <laughs> anyway that's myself to be very me. embarrassing <laughs> if you lost in the hurling match against China <laughs> <laughs> I told you. I got a boy. I'll tell you. I don't know, friend. I, I'd have to left uh, yeah. at times when I think of all the things that's happened. You know, like you're BFAI now, they're in front of the uh, pack. Public Accounts Committee, yeah. You know, and, and look, hey, they, I don't know, something about getting COVID money and I right, went in another direction mm. to pay other bills. And mm. then you have the chairperson of the RTE resigning. And look, I wonder who appointed all them in the first place. Did they know what they were appointing? Is it all a case of uh, uh, knowing your friends and sticking them into the proper place, into, into all them places? Mm. I mean, what, the money they were on and the salaries they were on. And then in the middle of the whole pandemic or epidemic, Somebody comes on then on television, whether it is Varadka or Michal Merton or whatever else, and they encourage people to pay their license and they haven't a clue where the money is going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's no problem in paying a license if you knew where it was going. So what's going on on television there, Mother of God? Well, the, the, the Minister for the Media is saying that she can't interfere in the day-to-day workings of RTE <laughs> and that she was relying on her relationship with the chair of RTE for information and that's why she feels but so... Yeah. But your friend, if you're going to bail them out, you have to know You'd imagine, you so. know, sure. You'd imagine so. Well, that, that, that's what I would think here on the Portney Road. You have to know what's going on, sure. Yeah. Uh, and that uh, nobody seems to know anything. I said it before, friend, umpteen times. When you're dealing with somebody else's money, you don't give two bloody hoots. Mm. Mm. That's what I would think, anyway. As a girl, the other night on the television, they on channels, that there's 401, 2 and 3. The same thing was on, on, on the three channels. You wonder why you would... Why would you have... <laughs> you were listening you to, know, to Senator McDowell uh, yesterday on the programme. Yes, and he's top class, you know, I, I think myself, but um, like on the 8th of March, whether I will vote or I won't vote, I honestly don't know. Yeah. But I know one thing, any canvassers going around, the first thing they should have is a pair of earmuffs because they will get it straight between the two eyes of what's going on. 
Now, I'm voting no at the moment because my wife has too much of a good life. <laughs> uh, without I vote yes, and I hate if she diverted from it. Her place is in the hole. She's got smashed. And you can't say in, that, Johnny. In, in a nutshell. <laughs> I just stop that. Uh, I, I'd be afraid if I voted yes, she'd be gone day and night, you know. Uh, well, well, that couldn't be because you're gone day and night, you see, so. I, yeah, I did, somebody should stay at home, then. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but look, I, uh, I don't know. Mm, yeah. I do not know. I don't even know themselves. All I know is, is that if if you vote, well, like the like Lisbon Treaty, when we voted no, we had to go back again the week after and vote yes. I still voted no because I had to clue what I was voting yes for. Well, that's what Mary so, Lou is advocating, that, you know, that if it's a no turnout, she, she'll put it to the people again if they get I'm into government. I'm not, look, listen, hey, to put it aside, look, they come up with, I wonder how did Gallows help him get on with the, the vest? Above in the doll, he said he was bringing it up to the doll about the restaurants closed down mm. and the night percent dress and the whole lot. Mm. Uh, when Gareth was on again, you could ask him, you make any progress on it? There's well, no point bringing it up there. You follow it up to the very best and get the thing done mm. and get it over the line. And there's some chance that the restaurants and all of that thing would keep going. Yes. But you, you see, know, but I mean, he, he presented it in the Shannon, but sure, we'll see. We'll see if there's any result from that. Um, so, anyway, mention, something we can we can talk about. It. Oh, sorry, go on, Johnny. Yeah, restaurants. Yeah, I, yeah. Was, I was in Delaney. In the, I was at the races yesterday in Tulsa. Fantastic day down there. A fine crowd, and of course, there was plenty of cowl, but we were well talked out for it. I did chat that walks with the Queen. I brought him to Tulsa. He said he'd often watch the races on television. He's over for the weekend. And I said, come on, Tulsa, then we'll go to Tulsa. He thought it was a fantastic venue. And great characters there and wonderful people. And he reckoned that uh, it's as good, it is as good a track that's in the country. I mean, fantastic viewing and everything else. But then we ended up in Bailey's in Cashel. And uh, if he won a few pounds, he said that uh, he'd buy the grub. So I had some kind of a, a Chinese duck. A Chinese uh, duck? Yeah, I thought it was inside with a heap of cabbage because all this greenery that goes with it. <laughs> but it was absolutely beautiful. I would chance it again. And who comes on and he tells me the lady asking for you? Ah, uh, he's a fantastic, uh, fantastic. He gave me he gave me a free glass of wine. Did he? He Fair did, uh, and uh, he told me that for three days he was out in the Lower Valley, uh, mm. in France, uh, on, wi- on a wine tasting expedition. Hmm. And uh, he said he's going again in a month's time, and he's going to bring me and you. Oh, listen now. Yes. I thought the Lower Valley was between Drumben and Lutterfloss. His house, if you don't mind, his house in some part of France. And, and when I heard this Lower Valley or whatever oh, it was, uh, yeah, we had a, a wonderful meal there. And Frank, he speaks highly of you. Yeah, sure. And me of him. He's a fantastic success story yeah. in the own uh, interviews. Uh, a great man altogether. Yeah. But then I met Tom Egan in the jockey, uh, the jockey fame uh, in Tullus Races yesterday. Happily congratulated him on his, uh, was it Four Star Award leading hotel in Ireland? Yeah, yeah. And uh, then you had the Cashel Palace doing the five styles. So we're absolutely steeped yes. to be in uh, uh, the, the county of Tipperary with wonderful. Uh, uh, That's great, yeah. And a, a, Mich- a Michelin like that, star know. for for the for the restaurant there in the Cashel Palace. Really, really fantastic oh, yeah. result, yeah. Oh, mm. hey, top and fair play to my friend. On top of that. They're great uh, employers as well. Mm, mm. 
Yeah, you yeah. know, it's, it's, uh, it's great. The, the way Cashel is going now is it's fantastic altogether. Oh, it's fantastic. You, my wanna, missus, my you, missus was up yesterday in uh, Dublin. Uh, herself and then her sister went off to uh, the Sister Act, is it? Sister Act, yeah, the musical. Yeah, the thought was absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I, lo- now, I love your knowledge I, of musicals. It's, it's <laughs> <laughs> if you told me it was a nude film, I wouldn't have a clue what it is. <laughs> the bloody sister, like. But anyway, yeah. they they got a taxi from whatever they got out and over to that place, whatever that was, and a taxi back, and she couldn't speak highly enough of the taxi drivers. They were absolutely oh, fantastic. You know, got out of the car and showed them where to go and that kind of a thing. Of course, they they look. They probably look like two gussy gooses going around <laughs> Dublin, not having a clue. I thought once you've been the map, I've the map. He was it. That police they don't do them things, but they thought was absolutely fantastic. Tonight they're going to that one in New Inn, uh, mm. the uh, uh, play in New Inn. The play, I think it's the, the play, 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 play by the Western World. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, chemist, the chemist. I better give him a, a, a mention because uh, he gives me the old tablet here. He doesn't throw in one extra, <laughs> one extra, <laughs> just in case. But uh, yeah, Paddy Bellview and all the rest of them are in the so, uh, there. I'm sending them over there tonight. I can't go myself because I'm in Norbrook Lounge tonight in Clannacenny ah, for the Cheltenham preview night for the Dylan Quirk thing. And as I said before, we have the likes of Bridget Dale, uh, who runs the, uh, uh, the the local pub there. And then you have uh, Ken Whelan and Dennis Hogan. And you have Harry Swan and you have Tom Hogan and Connor McNamara. And you have truly is the uh, MC for the night. So hopefully we'll have a good crack for and I have to go to Shannon Airport in between because I have to collect a woman that's uh, she's not coming to the Cheltenham preview night she's just uh, coming home for two days so I have to go and collect her there maybe in a couple of hours oh God, by God you're, you're a busy chap indeed do you want, do you want to have a look at sport for me Johnny do you want to, do you want to have a look yeah, at friend, I suppose we better talk about it you had a disappointing result for the Tipperary footballers last weekend in London mm. I was disappointed I genuinely thought that we'd be putting them away but look to the early days yes and uh, I suppose he's trying to get players together. And with injuries and the whole lot, a county of Tipperary can't uh, operate without uh, all their players. And when you have two or three injuries, it kind of uh, upsets the the plans of the manager and all of that. But anyway, they're still there. They have to play leash over top of the pile, I think, uh, there this weekend. And, of course, then a marvellous victory from Nina CBS uh, they, in the semi-final of the All-Ireland Colleges. It's brilliant for them. Our Camogie team were probably in hard luck to go down by a goal. That match was played above one of my favourite venues, uh, Kilcommon. And, uh, of course, McCormick's across the road as well as uh, a good old venue of ours. Uh, in the rugby, Munster win and Connacht win and Leinster likewise. But Ulster go down agonisingly with a young fellow from Kilfeetle who's playing out here for Ulster, young Flannery. Uh, they're... Uh, they're he kicked a magnificent penalty from the halfway line to go a pint or two ahead, but they got a penalty or something in the, last, in the very last second to win the match by a pint. Uh, in the local scene, in junior rugby, Tullus defeats uh, Cam William Kilfeetle, uh, won against Charleville, and of course, fed up, they got a losing bonus pint down in Scarif, I think it was, in County Clare, or St. Sennans off that side of the country in Clare. Uh, Cashel had a good win, and uh, Clonmel had a very good win, but uh, Nina, who are top of the pile, didn't play last weekend, and due to the bad weather on the pitch was uh, uh, unplayable so mm. that match will, uh, will go on 
again sometime. And of course, uh, the Camogie uh, crowd, uh, you have uh, just hold on a second, the uh, Ottoline, they're in the All Ireland final tomorrow. That game is in Rat Downey at 12 o'clock. They're playing the Loretto College in the final. And of course, they're one of their coaches is Vivian Gaynor. I said a daughter of Liam last week. I better correct it again because then Gaynor was listening on the radio above in the kitchen. He says, Tell that whore, he said, She's my daughter in law. So I which which whore was he referring to? I wonder. <laughs> oh, me. <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that so uh, uh, Vivian is one of the coaches, so she's steeped in the hurling and camogie and all of that. We have a huge fundraiser for Clara and GA Club on the 5th of April. It's a, a, a championship preview. I'll have more about that later. Hmm. And of course, uh, uh, the. Uh, talking about the oh yeah friend married 44 years next weekend you are poor Catherine yes. she deserves some sort of a, oh, an Christ, official oh, award for that to the pity there wasn't an Olympic gold medal for her and I'd be a certainty to get it because uh, she said that if she had done two models she'd be, she'd be out <laughs> on bail five years ago but, but I calculated it friend it's 15,670 days wow wow Jesus. But I it wonder how many of those days did she actually see you? <laughs> well, I don't, well, we had three great nights. <laughs> we had three kids. And I better get away from that. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. The, uh, in, in the... In the, uh, the how did your music festival go in Wexford last weekend? Because I was in Wexford. I, I gave two rough nights in John Murphy's pub in... Uh, Carrick on Banno, just outside uh, uh, the Wellington oh, Bridge. I know, I know and I didn't well. get a chance. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to go to see you, but uh, how did it go for you? Yeah, well, it went great and the place was packed, but you see, I put out the information that Johnny Luby was going to turn up, and then he didn't, of course. <laughs> but you're amused yeah. to that now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's it, yeah. Uh, friends, the, uh, the big night tomorrow night in Tullus. Yes. Uh, it's at the Greyhound Stadium. Uh, outside of the... Uh, it's, uh, a huge fundraiser for the Tipperary Supporters Club who play across the road in, in uh, the FBD Semple Stadium there at uh, 4 o'clock. They play with meat. And uh, it's. Uh, I was talking to Liam Kell yesterday and looked at another match on the wrong to play it and hopefully win it, which mm. they hopefully should. Uh, they, they come across the road then at half six. 6.30 to the Tullus Greyhound Stadium. We have the Champion Beach Day Final on, which is a renowned race in the Tullus uh, Greyhound Stadium. And uh, there's plenty of other top-class races. But we have, uh, is it, three or four Greyhounds in the final of the uh, Champion Beach Day with Pat Gilfile from Moneygall having two and Mr. Buckley uh, from on the borders. And, of course, uh, Sean Burke there in Clareham has uh, owned two Greyhounds in the final. So the very best of luck. Uh, to all the uh, contestants, along with uh, uh, the, the young girl, the ones she has a greyhound as well in the final. So, look, uh, it's twenty euro to get in. It's all funds go to the Tipperary Supporters Club because, friend, listening to lads in the know, mm. you know, when Limerick have the likes of maybe Mr. McManus there, and that does no stone left unturned in the pursuit of uh, uh, victory uh, to look after the players welfare and the debt between yeah. physios and doctors and the whole lot and uh, they have to try and get a few quid tomorrow night and it's a uh, there's face painting and all of that uh, Michelle Whelan is the girl that's in charge there of the Greyhound Stadium and she will leave no stone unturned they have music afterwards as well at the stadium and uh, of course it's a great chance for parents to bring youngsters uh, to meet the uh, Liam Cahill of this world and uh, the McGraths there and mm. uh, many many
more lads. So look the very best of luck to them tomorrow night at, uh, at half six. And if you can at all to ask the lads there, look, please go and support it because right. uh, you'll get a chance to meet the players and that's a big thing. Right, well done. And you'll, will you be there yourself? Yeah, friend, yeah. certainly, yeah, please God, as the fellow says, as long as the youngsters won't be coming looking for my autograph and teams like that, you know, that kind of way. <laughs> well, well I, I heard you got on so well in Clock Jordan, people were looking for your autographs up there oh, for, for some of those jokes you were telling, uh, I heard. They were uh, risque, yeah. yes. <laughs> hey, I hope nobody took a video of it because normally <laughs> Gavin gets it in and she'd, uh, she'd say, Mother of God, is that what you are doing? You know, but anyway, friend, it's it hard to believe that he's 55 years. I mean, like, I'm still trying to send the man off to the moon, and he's 55 years since we landed man I on know. the moon. I know, yeah. yeah. I rem- well, you, you wouldn't remember that because you were only in a cottage or in nappies at the time. I'm, I'm glad you said uh, that, yeah. And was mm. the safest you pin nappies you were in at that time. <laughs> not the not the, not the brother from Paul. And I was one. left in them too long as well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something's well, ever changed. Friend, yeah. Yeah, it's 55 years. And, and I see now uh, that, uh, and of course, we'll say at that time I was looking, I was going to Gerald's, uh, uh, the opticians in Tip Town, mm. and they gave me right good glasses. What did I ever see? The second man landing on the moon <laughs> from Golden. <laughs> I said, I better get the, the, the dig in. But listen, friend, I yes. see whether I'll get rid of uh, the phone box. That's right. That's right, yeah. They're becoming obsolete now, Johnny, because you all have mobile phones. Well, you, your mobile phone is so old, it should be in a phone. <laughs> right, there was a woman one time. I'll finish on this for the moment. Okay. And the daughter was uh, uh, having the baby. Mm. And uh, she was driving, going down to Cork to the maternity, the expensive, or the, yeah, the, not the, the, down to the intensive care into the maternity ward having this baby. And then you had the car broke down outside uh, uh, some phone box. But didn't her waters break? This girl that was pregnant, didn't her waters break at the same time? Mammy, mm. she said, you better come and collect me. She says, I'm standing here in the phone in the phone box. And the mother said to her, where are you ringing from? She says, from my belly button. She says, to my toes. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, Johnny. Good luck, Johnny. Good luck. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. The great Johnny Luby there, live from the Fourpenny Road, and my best wishes to lovely Catherine as well, putting up with him for 44 years. The Justice Minister was in Tipperary last evening. Helen McEntee was speaking at the Tipperary Chamber President's Lunch in uh, Thurlis, and our head of news, uh, Donald Doyle, spoke to the Minister after the event about incidents in Ross Grey this week, which saw a large group of women protest following an incident involving a refugee which is now under Garda investigation. Here's what she said when uh, Donald asked her about that. I, I won't get into any incidents. I know what you're referring to, and obviously I, I think it's important that I don't. Um, what I would say is that I think there is an attempt, and I'm not saying by the women, but there's an attempt by some people to suggest that migrant communities and those who are coming seeking protection, that they are in some way automatically criminals. And I have to just... I have to push back on that very strongly. There's absolutely no facts to back that up. Um, but unfortunately, where you have incidents that might arise, uh, that might, you know, we have a population where 20% of the people born in this country are not from this country. So you will always have a mixture of people committing crimes. But those who want to sow division and create that fear that you're talking about, they will hone in and focus in on one or two or three single incidents and make it look as it's a very different situation. So I'm not dismissing anybody's concerns, um, but I would 
say that there is an attempt to instil that fear in people where uh, it shouldn't necessarily be there. I mean, the migrant community in this country have contributed so much um, without them. And you talk about services, we wouldn't have GP services in many counties. We wouldn't have carers in nursing homes and other parts of our health service. We wouldn't have people on the building sites who are building the houses that we so desperately need. So we just really need to, to, to make sure that... There's an understanding of actually what it is that a, a migrant does, who they are and how they contribute, not just financially but culturally as well, uh, and also address people's concerns that they have. I think more broadly people want to see more Gardaí, they want that presence on the ground, and that's to be safe in general, to feel safe um, irrespective of who's in their community. Uh, but, you know, I, push, I, I would push back strongly on, on any link between migrants and crime because it, the, the facts are just not there. Okay, and the issues in Ross Grey do predate Racket Hall. Unfortunately, there were before Christmas public meetings in the town arising out of antisocial behaviour and perceived problems between uh, asylum seekers and uh, and local youths. There were a couple of uh, instances of scuffles being reported, and the feeling that it wasn't being policed, that people weren't being protected, that this was allowed to happen on the streets, and. There was already uh, an issue there that Bracket Hall has become a powder keg uh, or, a, or, or uh, a fuse, uh, let's say, to that powder keg. Um, th- and, that's, and that goes back to your remit and, and policing levels that are perceived to be inadequate. Look, uh, the fact that we had a guard the college that was closed for two years to new recruits, um, it unfortunately means, and, and I don't like this more than anyone else, that we are about a thousand guardy less than we should be. Um, those two years where we really had started to see momentum build and there were huge numbers coming out of the college, that was stopped dead. Um, and so you had continued retirements, you had people leaving, as, as is always the case with any workforce, without it being replenished. Uh, and what I'm really trying to do is make sure that every effort, so from increasing the allowance for people going into the college to providing the funding for the new recruits to giving them what they need. So the more we invest in technology, the more we make it easier for Gardaí to do their jobs, the more we have civilian staff doing office work, then the more you free up Gardaí to be on the front line on the beat. Yeah, that's uh, Minister Helen McEntee speaking to Donald uh, yesterday. Do you know, I'm sick and tired of when, whenever a, a government representative is asked now about legitimate issues and legitimate concerns that people have around the numbers of people coming in because we just can't seem to cope with them, many of them staying on the streets. They conflate the issue with migrants who are coming here legally to work. Why, why are they allowed to get away with that all the time when it's a completely and absolutely separate issue? Anyway, what do you think about that? 083 311 Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Hello, it's Anne. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Yeah, a lot of response there to the Minister's piece when uh, speaking to our Donal uh, yesterday. Um, 
all of it uh, negative, to be honest with you. And let me just bring you one uh, from somebody who d- describes themselves as an angry resident of Ross Grey. Why didn't Helen McEntee call to Rackenhall yesterday when she was so close? How dare she say that uh, they're being manipulated when it's our own walking nightmare every day? Today is pension day and you have older people nervous and afraid to call for their money. She could have called and spoke to the people and listened to their concerns, but I suppose the issue of the Garda station with no guards, she wouldn't have them to mind her. This is a huge disrespect and a huge insult to people from the same woman that went out on the streets of Dublin to say that uh, they were safe. Um, surrounded by how many guardie. Um The government are so out of touch and absolutely not fit for purpose anymore. They do not represent me. And as I say, that's from somebody describing themselves as an angry resident of Ross Grey. Now, the people of Templemore fought a long campaign to retain access to the pool at the Garda College and we covered it uh, for a long time here on the programme. There were marches and protests, meetings with uh, TDs and we thought the issue had come to some kind of resolution but the Garda College has again this week been accused of not supporting the local community. Deirdre Ryan is from the We Just Want to Swim Templemore group and she joins me now. Deirdre, good morning to you. Hi, Fran. How are you? I'm well, and it's been a while, Deirdre, but it's good to talk to you uh, today. Will you bring me up to speed just currently? What is the situation with the pool? Let's begin with that. Um, Look, the pool, um, uh, uh, since it reopened, I think, last uh, Easter, uh, two schools, a minimum of two schools, have had access to the swimming pool for an hour a week um, through the calendar year, and we're delighted with that. The schools are delighted with that. Um, I, I suppose the campaign, um, the primary focus of the campaign was to restart evening classes for, for children. And that's, just, that's still an ongoing process. Um, during the summer, we set up um, the Swim, uh, Swim Templemore community group. And there's a really hardworking committee there that's um, working all the time to see if we can extend... The, um, the hours of, uh, of the use in the swimming pools. So that's still ongoing. But we're, the schools are delighted. Unfortunately, because of the size of the school, it kind of works out at maybe six hours of swimming lessons per child. And that's just not enough to learn how to swim. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're always looking to see if we can um, gain access to the swimming pool uh, for an evening a week. Um, just so we can um, we can extend the amount of hours the children can learn how to swim. Was there some concern about the march that happened to mark sixty years of the Garda College being in uh, in the town, Deirdre? Yeah, well, that happened on Wednesday, sixty years, and the Garda College marked it um, with the uh, local uh, pipe band, Joe Barry and his pipe band, marched a number of recruits up to the Garda College. Um, and that was really special, particularly for Joe Barry, because he was there at the official opening 60 years ago mm. with the band. And so for him and for the pipe band, uh, the community are so proud of them that the band is still going uh, and is still going so strong. And I don't think I'm stepping on anybody's toes by saying how prou- proud the community are of Joe Barry and the band. But I think what, what, um, what happened was that it's, the, the marking of that anniversary took the wider community by surprise because 
it was maybe three or four hours before the march was due to take place that there was a Facebook post on the Templemore page letting the community know that this was happening. And I'm, I'm uh, involved in a lot of WhatsApp groups and, and they all just lit up uh, from members of the community asking the same questions. Uh, how come we didn't know about this? Have we had input? Were we asked? Um, and I think it's important to, to understand that it wasn't just an anniversary for the college. It was the town's anniversary as well. The college is in the fabric of the town and vice versa. And I think people in the wider community were just sad and disappointed that this moment in history was not celebrated together and in a much bigger way. And what would have happened, for instance, Deirdre, on the 50th anniversary there? Was there a different kind of celebration or are you aware of that? I'm, I'm not aware of it. Um, and 10 years ago... Um, I don't know, I suppose, as, as a community, I think it was just, it was a missed opportunity to build bridges and, and establish the connection between the college. Like, the, the campaign from the word go um, was all about re-establishing the connection between the community and the college. We talked about our history and our tradition, and, and I know this community, and we spend, every year, we spend all year fundraising for each other, standing up for each other, advocating for each other. And and we still see the college as one of our own. And it's a very unique relationship. Uh, there's only one training college in this country. Mm. And there's only one town in this country with a Garda College, a training college, and that's Templemore. And that's an important piece of history. It's unique. It doesn't happen anywhere else in the country. And you know, I think it was a missed opportunity. And because of it, I I, I contacted the Garda uh, Training College yesterday and I, I spoke to a lovely gentleman in facilities. And we had a chat on the phone and he recommended that I, I put it in writing and, and send it in and the powers that be that um, will have a look at it. And it was just a suggestion that this is a unique, unique relationship. We've had a wonderful connection with the college uh, since since it, it, it opened, we're part of its, its fabric and that this is an opportunity for us to celebrate this together. I mean, I, I understand they marked it the other day, but we can actually mark this anniversary for the next year. Um, I mean, there's so many possibilities uh, to, to mm. celebrate this mm. union. I mean, there must be so many photographs. And it would be amazing to have, a, you know, a photo ex- exhibition with all the photographs or short films, or a docu- sorry, a documentary. It would be, there's so many possibilities to repair the relationship. And, and I think the reaction yesterday, or on Wednesday from the community, is just a reflection of, you know, we want to, we want to reconnect with the college. Do you, do you think, Deirdre, it may be the case that the college, that they, they were a little careful about the celebration because of, of some of that relationship with the college and the community has broken down because of the pool and some other issues over the years. Do you, do of course. You, is, is that what's behind it, do you think? Well, I, I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not a mind reader, but I can understand that. But, uh, and if that is the case, um, I think the, 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 the reaction of so many in the community is a reflection of our, of our hope and our history and our desire to, you know, to re-establish the wonderful relationship with mm. the college. And, you know, there's 60 years in our town. And 
that is a history that deserves to be celebrated together yes. because it's so special. It's so unique. It happened. It has not happened anywhere else in the history of our state. And, and over the coming years, Deirdre, it will be even more important because you see the drive on now to get as many Gardaí out there as, as possible. Absolutely. And, you know, since, since 1964, every guard in this country that passed through the Garda College gate have also passed through Templemore. Mm. They have eaten in our restaurants and in our takeaways. They've used our dry cleaners. A lot of them have lived in our homes. It's a unique history, and uh, and we want that to continue. and And I think this is a perfect opportunity um, for the college and the commu- community to work together. And you know, there's there's been a, a lot of changes in the college in personnel over the last six to twelve months. And there are people up there who have the power to rewrite our history over the last few years, and they can be the catalyst of change and healing and repairing. And, you know, as a community, we, we're letting them know that we are here, you are part of us, and we are part of you, and we want that to continue, and we want it to, uh, to flourish. So I'm hoping that the Garda College will respond to my email um, and that, you know, we can work again like we have always done in a really positive way between the college and the community. We just had a caller onto us, Deirdre, who says that he's a retired member of the Gardaí in Templemore, yeah. and he said they were also left out of the event, and they're very yeah. sad about it. He says if it's any consolation, the community wasn't the only group left out. He says the whole thing was very badly organised as far as he's concerned. Yeah, I mean, I've spoken to uh, two um, retired guards in the last couple of days, and they've said the same thing. And there's there's... There's the traders in the community, there's the sporting uh, um, groups, there's the uh, schools, and, and of course, the retired guards. Um, and, you know, look, over, over the past couple of years, there's a lot of hurt in the community and disappointment. Um, but, you know, I'm, I, I'm solution-focused. That's how my brain works. Yeah. And, and there is a solution here. And I think, you know, there's an awful lot of things that have actually conspired in the last couple of months there's new personnel gone in there there's this 60 year anniversary and there's the community continuously telling the college you we value you you are important to us you are in our fabric we want to reconnect hopefully this will be the point where the college take those steps and connect with the community that you know we talk about the fabric i've traveled all over the world in my 20s and whether i was in africa or in Australia or America, when I connected with an Irish person and they'd ask me where I was from, I would say Templemore, and immediately they would go, oh, the Garda College. Yes. It's yeah. in us. It's in people in Templemore. And yeah. it's so special, and we want to get it back on track. We're desperate to get it back on track because it's so unique. All right, All right. Deirdre, thank you for your time this morning, and well said. Thank you for, for, for coming on with us. Good morning to you. That's uh, Deirdre Ryan there from the SWIM Templemore Group. Back in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery's Garage.ie. 
If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip today on 1-800-938-007. Gardaí continued to investigate a break into a business premises in the Templemore area this week. A significant amount of property was taken from Hennessy Engineering at Kyle Killay on Wednesday night. Proprietor Jim Hennessy joins me now. Good morning to you, Jim. Good morning. Good to talk to you today. It strikes me this was a very sophisticated break-in. Jim, will you tell me what happened? Well, it's one of the biggest robberies we had here over the years. We had numerous robberies here over the years, but this is one of the biggest robberies here. What they did was uh, they busted the locks off of the workshop. They cut down all Netwatch's uh, cameras. Uh, they cut down the gate, the entrance at the gate, and got out the stuff, and they used forklifts out of the workshops that was locked into the workshops to draw all the stuff out. And it happened, they cut down the cameras at uh, two minutes to two o'clock, and they were still in the factory robbing it after four o'clock. Now, what we have is we have uh, one camera in the workshop that before they got to, they got a picture of a face, and uh, that's been processed. It's on our, our uh, Facebook page, and uh, we put it up last night, the image that we had. And uh, we're putting up 10000 of a reward for anyone that can give us information to get our stuff back uh, because it's 7% of the turnover of the company that was stolen um, wow. out. So it's going to take us out more than likely. And um, uh, with other things that's going on in the company as well, the two things is going to probably kill the company. We have 12 people employed here, which have gone two more uh, last the week before last, and um, it's absolutely uh, a blow into the whole operation. So the, this would close the gates on the company, you're saying to me? Yeah, they cut yeah? the gates down, the twelve console out of the workshop, yeah. and yeah. they cut the gates. No, what, what I meant is this could bring the company down completely, Jim. This could oh, be... Oh, yeah, this yeah. was only up to a week that this thing, whole thing... Um, between what's happening with the county council and what's happening with this robbery, uh, this is only yes. weeks to, of um, of this company being gone. This oh company used to have a hundred people working here one time, and it was bringing thirteen point one million into the town of Templemore, and she closed in two thousand and twelve, and uh, we only opened it up again five years ago, and we're developing it and upgrading the company, and our foreign investors when they heard it yesterday. They said, look, you're, go- you're going back to where you were in 2012. This is not maybe good for uh, us because the investors want to invest heavy in here. And with this type of robberies, like, right. uh, and, the, and the cameras we had with Netwatch here, we spent a fortune on uh, cameras and everything with Netwatch. And they cut down their cables and they cut down the internet cables coming to the internet. Uh, that uh, Orion's had right. put in for the camera. So it, it was very sophisticated. What kind of equipment oh, yeah. was was taken, Jim? What? Do... Well, we can't. We're not going to say what was actually taken because of the reward. Because if people start to ring in with information, we want to know that they're genuine. Right. Because we have the face on on the Facebook, and when people ring, they can either ring the girls. We'd be delighted if the girls could help us. The girls has only came yesterday morning and walked around, and we didn't see him since. Um, there's nothing happening with the girls at the present moment on the site. And uh, we're trying to get as much help from the public 
You right. need the pump. But, but uh, okay, while you don't want to give away the detail of the plant that was taken, I mean, it was obviously very big equipment, so it needed considerable transport, did it, Jim? I put it this way, Chip. There was one, two, three. The equipment was uh, for there was there were the stuff was in ton bags, right? Yes. And it was uh, there was four, five, six ton bags of stuff taken. There was very high value wow. uh, goods. And, uh, so a large, a large truck would have been needed, I guess. No, a good big van, I'd say, would oh, have taken it. it. Okay. But they emptied the bags in the yard and they filled the stuff into the whatever they had. And um, I put it this way: there's seventy thousand worth a year that's gone. Wow. That's what's gone. At seven percent of the company's doing a million turnover. And a seven percent adaptive. And uh, would gone. would this equipment be saleable? I mean, is there a market oh, yeah. out there for this equipment yeah, second yeah, hand? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, no trouble. They could that, that's what amazed me about the guards because uh it could be sold in four hours after uh, a place opened up yesterday morning. And uh, that's why I was amazed that was, the girls are so slow to get on top of it. Well, you see, you um, don't know what they're doing behind the scenes, I suppose, Jim. I, mean, they I could... do because uh, the girl that came out to me uh, yesterday morning was in court all day yesterday. And I went to Templemore Garda Station last night with a face on um, a swab and they couldn't put it up on the computer. And I went over to Turles and they said to me that they couldn't deal with it because the girl was in court yesterday dealing with this. So right. now at the moment, I feel that all the stuff is probably gone. So that's why I'm pu- I put up the 10,000 what, yesterday. What do you mean gone? You mean gone out of the country? Is that is that what you're I saying? Don't think I don't, no, I think it's sold in the country here yeah. itself or across the border in the country, okay. anywhere around. The product you took can be sold anywhere local or anywhere. Right. So you're, uh, pu- you're putting up 10,000, and that's based on what, Jim? What what exactly two, are you looking for? Two things. It's based on two things. Information leading to the prosecution of the chiefs or the return of the stuff. I'll get the stuff back. Right. The person will get 10000 if they're able to pinpoint where the stuff is and we can get it back, or they can give us information that we can get prosecutions on the... We I think it's three people, but right. uh, it looks like that there was two showed up in the ca- and the cameras, but I think there's three uh, that right. was in the robbery. So if, the people, robbery and if people have information about that, what are you saying to them? Should they go to the local guardie where this is concerned? If they... <laughs> Yeah. I don't mind if they do, or mm. they can come to us personally if they don't want to be involved with the girls and come to us personally, and uh, we will deal with it in through the proper authorities of how to go forward. And uh, right. uh, if people don't, maybe somebody don't want to go to the girls, and they can come to me personally, and um, I'll go and deal with it, and their names won't right. be mentioned. And uh, once that leads to a prosecution or the turn of the stuff, 10,000 will be paid out to the girls or to the, if the girls want to give it to the person, I'm willing to give it to myself personally. There's okay. no problem. Well, I'm not, I'm not sure how that would work uh, legally, but in the meantime, that is well, that is the incentive you're putting up there. Because I'm going to pay the person that comes up with it. Legally okay. or no legally, in this case, I want the stuff back or I want the prosecution's bought and I'll pay the money. Whoever says it's wrong or right, I'll pay the money. All right, Jim. And that's it. Well, no Jim, Jim, we wish you well with the business and thanks very much indeed for your time this morning. That's Jim Hennessy there of Hennessy Engineering in Kyle and uh, that break-in happened on Wednesday night between the hours of 2 and 4 in the morning. News and information's on the way. 
Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on. On 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat. Uh, welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today, 1800-938-007. Now, we were talking about the Garda College there just a little while ago. A listener says the continuous public slating of the college is doing nobody in Templemore any favours. It's time to sit down uh, quietly and uh, negotiate a new deal. Well, in fairness, I think that's what uh, Deirdre, Deirdre Ryan was advocating. Um, hi, Fran. As a Garda myself, I know how the Garda College has changed over the years. There are too many civilian staff working there now. The Garda tradition is dying. Our commission commissioner is running the Gardaí like a business instead of a police service. I hate the fact that we're losing touch with our communities, dwindling Garda numbers and little emphasis on solving crime. The main focus from management now is to record crime and tick boxes, not actually solve crime and get out into the community. It's sad says one of our listeners who uh, describes themselves as a current Garda. Um, 1800 Now, as Pat has been telling you throughout the morning, Shunni Raleigh has sensationally quit as chair of the RTE board. Her resignation late last night came as an appearance by the media minister on primetime, during which Catherine Martin said that Miss Nivrali had uh, misinformed her twice this week in relation to RTE exit packages. And the former chair said that she had not made an intentional misrepresentation, but it was clear uh, the minister no longer had confidence in her. Temporary Labour TD and member of the Public Accounts Committee, Alan Kelly, joins me now. Good morning to you, Alan. Morning, Fran. It seems like this is a weekly thing now, Alan, with uh, these new uh, revelations. What, were you surprised at what has gone down over the past uh, 12 hours or so? I watched it live last night, Fran, and I couldn't believe what I was watching. Um, it was a public execution. Mm. Mm. It was as a clinical as I've ever seen, <laughs> and I've been around a while. Um, it was obvious that the chair was going to resign. And I have met the chair, uh, she's a very decent woman, uh, definitely made uh, some mistakes uh, along the way. But with what was going on in RT over the last number of years, I, I'm surprised anyone, I don't think anyone's hands are clean. Um, but I'm not sure about what uh, Minister Catcher Martin has done here. Um, one thing I just wanted to say, I think the way in which it was done uh, wasn't appropriate. I don't think uh, it should have been done. If she didn't have confidence, that's one thing. That she's a minister and she has to make those decisions. Except that, but she deliberately went on prime time last night, and she didn't have to go on prime time. She knew what she was. She was that was this was going to happen, and it was a very deliberate um, public relations execution. But was and it foolish, Alan? Because now there's a spotlight on Catherine Martin. Herself, and now she's been handling issues. Well, listening to uh, Minister for Justice uh, this morning, Helen McEntee, it's quite obvious this was a solo run. Um, it's obvious that other ministers weren't aware. Mm. And um, this wasn't a government decision. 
Now, there's a whole rake of questions coming out of this, a whole pile of them. I mean, I've, I have a whole full scap um, based on my interactions with RTE alone. I have about seven or eight different long questions. But principally, like, we have an issue now where the focus will be on the minutes. Um, because this minister has been very hands-off. Um, you wouldn't have confidence that she's in control. When the whole issue broke up, broke um, last year, I remember she was only she wasn't she wasn't you know equivocal about saying that people needed to pay their license fee because it was the law. And when she stumbled on that, I said to myself, you know, what's going on here? This is the law, and she's the minister over media. Mm. And she didn't actually say, look, everyone has to pay their license. It's the law. Um, and when she uh, that really really worried me. But now there's a range of other questions because who knew what when is essentially it. So the chairperson, for your audience, the chairperson has said in her statement that she informed the department, and it looks like it was the previous Secretary General who has since resi- retired, sorry, resigned, retired, um, in October. Mm. October the 10th, I think, is the date. So if that's the case, why would the Minister make such a big issue about something that her department already knew about then five months ago? And that's a critical question. But but, but my understanding is that the, she informed them about the deal, but it, it didn't go before. She she didn't make it clear that it went before the remuneration committee. We didn't. We don't actually know that, Frank. Oh right. Okay. We we actually see. I know it's a moving it's a moving story, but it's not clear what uh, the chair informed the department secretary general about on October the tenth. Did she inform him in relation to Richard Collins leaving, the former CFO? And the deal around it, or did she inform him that, yes, this went in, for, in front of the remuneration uh, committee? That is a critical component. But whatever happens is that it looks like the chair did inform the department. So what did the department inform the minister? And if the department didn't inform the minister, well, then the minister is in serious trouble because it means she's not in control of her department. Um, but but has Shun the rally? Has she not put her hands up at this stage and said that you know she had a misrecollection or whatever? No, no, she... no, no, no. She has, in fairness, so just to be clear, because it is quite confusing. Uh, she did say that on uh, when she met with her twice that she failed to. Uh, I think the phrase is um, uh, she neglected to rec- uh, recall the fact mm, that yes, the exactly, yeah. committee. Mm. But like, uh, like there's so much going on. Um, potentially the reason for that is because in October she already informed the department, so she thought that box was ticked. Like, it could be as simple as that. Um, so, like, we need to get uh, all the information mm. here of who knew what. Because have, have you any idea who, who else was at the meeting when the minister was misinformed? Well, on the second meeting, I, it, I understand uh, Kevin Backhurst was there, so he's going to have to outline what was said at that meeting or what wasn't said at that meeting, more probable. Um, but it looks to me like the following. It looks to me that um, when the CFO left under with a package that was done by the remuneration committee, uh, that the department were informed, the Secretary General, who's the highest official in the department, um, wasn't who had regular contact with Shun Narahidi, um, that they um, were informed. And the question is, did, were they informed that it went through the remuneration committee or not? That is the critical question, because if they weren't, and then the chair neglected to tell the minister at meetings, obviously then her position uh, wasn't tenable. But if she did inform the Secretary-General 
that the remuneration uh, committee had dealt with uh, the Collins situation. And she felt then that, obviously, the Secretary General and the Minister, who talked multiple times a day, um, that obviously she ticked that box and told them. And that's the reason why she probably neglected to say it uh, last week. Well, that's a more serious issue then for the Minister, um, because the question is who's in control, why, what is our department functioning, etc., etc. There's always been a hands-off approach from uh, Minister Martin. I said it about the licence fee. You know, yeah. There's 71 million of a bailout coming in. She rarely ever has been asking questions. And like, what do you make of what she's constantly saying, which is that her direct line of communication is through the chair of RTE and any other interference would not be appropriate. Now, I can understand that where editorial control is concerned, but you have so many issues in RTE. Surely it has to be beyond a relationship think, between Minister, her and the chair. I don't, I don't think the Minister can stand over that. That, for me, is, 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 is a convenient answer. Uh, essentially here, in reality, uh, I'm telling you this as a former minister, in reality, the Secretary General of the Department, you have a hand-in-glove relationship with as the minister. Um, you just have to have, that's the way it is. And that Secretary General would be in touch with the senior people in that organisation, whatever the organisation, can be state, state, or state body. So in this case, RTE, that Secretary General will be in touch with uh, the chair and the chief executive and possibly others um, all the time. Uh, every week or every few weeks but when there was a crisis or an issue or a concern or a problem then probably multiple times and the assistant secretary in charge of media um, would be in, would be in touch as well so those two people would be in touch all the time and they would keep the minister and the minister's advisors up to date so what we need to unravel is last October the 10th around then what was told to the department and did the department obviously uh, convey all of that to the minister and it wouldn't be acceptable if they didn't. If they conveyed that Mr Collins's package went through the remuneration committee and that was it, um, well, then the minister has a serious problem. If it, they didn't, well, then there may be a, it may be a, a lighter issue. But there is a huge focus now on Catcher Martin. I think the way in which she went about this was, was, was not the right way to do things. She could easily have, have not appeared on prime time. She could easily have met with uh, the chair this morning. She could have spent time. She could have went through stuff. She could have made a judgment call based on was it uh, an honest mistake? Did her department actually know? And the reason the chair didn't tell her was because um, she, uh, she, uh, she she had told the department previously, etc., uh, etc. Et and there was so much else going on. There's so much else to discuss on this issue. She thought had been dealt with previously because it's so long ago. It is five months ago at the end of the day, and there's so much other stuff after happening. Um, or was it a serious error enough for her to fire the chair? Because she also would have to take into consideration the macro issues around RTE their deep concern out there and throwing the absolute, literally throwing the organisation back into a massive crisis. So she's saying that the most important relationship with the chair, she doesn't have a chair now. And you know what, Fran, I I don't know who would take that job. Yeah, who would want that gig now? Who in the name of God would want that job? I mean, like, there's probably going to be somebody appointed as an interim uh, chair. I, I actually don't know who would take that either. Um, so, like, this is a fully-fledged crisis, which has been created yeah. by a standoff minister who was, who was only, wasn't equivocal when it came to the licence fee last year, who was constantly not asked questions, who has basically put the chair under the bus in a preliminary way, which a prejudged way, possibly, where we don't have all the facts, where the Secretary-General, who the chair was dealing with, is now retired um, and obviously gone. 
Um, so, like, really, this is full, full blown crisis. So, is and is, is there more to come? Is there more to come? Yeah, would well, you see that? Would you see the problem here? For I mean, Minister Martin, Catherine Martin. Uh, I don't. I know the lady. I don't know her that well. Um, but like, for me, from a political point of view, <laughs> you know, this, this was not a good idea. This was a bad idea. The way in which he dealt with this, she may have had to deal with the chair. Uh, Subsequently, if she felt that, that's fine. That's a judgment call on her own. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take that away. That's what she's a minister for. However, the manner in which she's dealt with this has opened up a whole can of worms, a whole range of questions, and this is going to drag on and on and on. There will be the issues of what Kevin Backhurst know, what the other board members yeah. know. There will be the issues in relation to Kevin Backhurst meeting with the chair and yeah. the minister the other day. Did he or should he have intervened? And all of this will be questions about that. I mean, this can't go on. Like yeah, because I, I, I presume, knowing yeah, how how boards, on a much lesser scale, but knowing how boards work, I, I presume if the if the issue went before the remuneration committee, it would have to be a CEO or in this case the DG that would go before that committee, would it not? To to well, inform. essentially, uh, essentially, it's a it's a subset of the board. So the chair of the board generally sits on these remuneration committees uh, for something like this. Is probably a, you know a decision. Probably quick enough decision. Probably all the work is done in advance and signed up. The likelihood is then that the chair informed the secretary general that this had happened, uh, that Mr. Collins was leaving, um, and the deal was done, etc. Um, I would, I would presume that any secretary general would expect that that was done by the remuneration committee. I'd be shocked. I mean, totally and utterly shocked if the chair of a board was ringing the secretary general to say that Mr. Collins was leaving. There's a package done. And the Secretary General didn't assume or ask or presume that it was done by the remuneration committee. It would be kind of just taken as granted, potentially. Um, so, like, how the minister didn't know about it is the critical question. And yeah. if now there's kind of almost like a backfilling whereby the minister went on me on television last night because she wanted a search authority, so she was in control. But really the issue on which she's fired the uh, Secretary General of or oh, sorry, fired the um, chairperson. Well, of well the chairperson resigned technically. Oh, sorry, well, well yeah. essentially, yeah. well, resigned, but I mean, didn't have any choice. Uh, essentially, said she didn't have confidence in her. Was was over an issue, which the department were well aware of last October. Well, then, Minister Martin's on very sticky ground. Henry, can I ask you about uh, something you brought up during the week, the HSE recruitment embargo preventing the new um, uh, community hospital in Nina from opening at uh, the moment. Now, this story began, of course, in 2016. Uh, what, what's happening there? So this is quite a, a personal story for me because um, I provided, as Minister, when we provided the funding for this uh, new nursing home in Nina, um, because St. Conlon's, as you know, won't meet thicker requirements into the future. Yeah. Um, a lot of my own family, a lot of neighbours, a lot of people listen to you around Nina. There's huge affection for St. Conlon's, friend. There's huge affection for the way in which uh, that nursing home has looked after so many people down through the years, my own family and neighbours included. Um, so in 2017, we, we got a site um, right beside the hospital, which was great. And then we got planning in 2019. And then obviously uh, it started construction. Um, like, but this is just absolutely disgraceful. So I contacted uh, the HSE, asked about this. I wrote a, a parliamentary question to the minister, and it was subsequently answered. And like, if you drive in around that hospital, it is pristine. 
North so just Authority. for clarity, Alan, it's completed, the equipment is it's there? It's absolutely, totally, totally and utterly completed. Right. The beds are in the room. Wow. Right? I mean, it's, wow. it's, the, the CEO of the HSC was taken on a tour of it. It is unbelievable. It is state-of-the-art. It'll be the most modern nursing home in Ireland, full stop, without the base. Like, it's got everything, rehabilitation, it's got everything inside in it. Uh, now, the issue, obviously, is it's a huge building, um, and it will need close on 100 staff. And uh, the letter, which is, you know, I sent to the newsroom there in Tip FM, mm. the parliamentary question, the response I got back from the HSE was, um, essentially, because of the embargo, we can't recruit, and we absolutely have no time and effectively no clue when it'll be opened. Now, that's a scandal. That's disgraceful. And I'd like the government representatives and their supporters to stand over that. I have so many people looking to either transfer into there, and remember the residents in St. Conlon at the moment, 20, uh, uh, two or three odd, and then for all the other rooms we filled as well. And we have a huge issue with nursing homes, as you're aware. We have a big demographic challenges, uh, and uh, loads of other issues as well. And families are now left in limbo. And is I it very that. simplistic of me to say, why not transfer the staff from St. Conlon's over to the new facility? Because you'd need to close on another 67 or 8 staff. As well? Them. Wow. Yes. Okay. okay. So, and in fairness, I will say this to the HSE. They are determined to open it, but they are determined to open it in full. Any idea that the minister would have that, you know, you just transfer a few and open maybe 20 beds or something, that wouldn't work because there's a, there's a scale here. You know, for the whole place to function, there is a scale, there's a requirement. There's more staffing required because it's obviously a way larger building, a way larger setting, uh, as different controls, different requirements, all that sort of stuff, some training. So effectively, it's going to take months when the embargo is lifted to recruit these staff. So we have no idea. As I talk to you this minute, we have no idea when this will be open. But the chances of this being opened by June are close on zero. And we have local and European elections coming up. So, you know, people need to ask questions and say, why is this being left? This is effectively being ready since late last year. Why is this being left when so many people need access to this best in Ireland quality nursing home and quality service? I mean, for the likes of myself, Louise Morgan Walsh, Fiona Bonifield, we have been absolutely, totally and utterly inundated with people looking to go into this facility. Their families are waiting for this facility. There are people listening to your show who are waiting for this facility. And in my time in politics, I've rarely ever had such a reaction to a story. But I'm disgusted by this because I put my heart and soul into this project. It was a project that I you know, spent years, nearly a decade, uh, trying to get going and, and conclude it. It would be a very proud day, no matter who opens it, uh, for, for that to be opened. It's in the best location for, for the people because it's inside the hospital. We have a primary care centre, which I helped facilitate, which has been built across the road from the hospital uh, because they bought the lands from the rugby club uh, via DSB as well, which I was able to help. So the whole health campus over there in Tion will be incredible. And now we have this scenario where one side of the government isn't talking to the other side of the government, one side of the Department of Health isn't talking to the HSE and vice versa. And we can't get the staff to open this. It's a scandal of huge proportion and, and, speaking and of, unacceptable. Speaking of the HSE, before I let you go, because as somebody who has advocated for women who have suffered through the cervical check 
a scandal. We're now reading that uh, uh, Tony Houlihan, the former Chief Medical Officer, he's taken up a new medical role with the HSE and he'll be working specifically on cancer prevention and treatment. Now that's despite his role in the cervical check scandal uh, being the source of controversies to say the very least and a lot of listeners were onto us about this and saying this is really... I, I'd love your view on that. I, I'm, I'm not sure, Fran, uh, I could say everything on air what I'd like to say about this. Um, I uh, I was very surprised to see it. Um, I had loads of people who have been on your show talking about this issue and talking about related cancer issues uh, onto me in relation to it. Um, they're very upset, um, uh, surprised. I'm aware it was uh, an open competition. Um, I'm not sure if the appointment has been made. I just saw that uh, I think uh, he has been uh, chosen as the as the preferred candidate, whether it's been taken or been offered, I have no idea. But certainly for me, um, you know, you know, I would, uh, you know, I wouldn't obviously be very happy uh, about this. Um, uh, and I wouldn't like to say anything right. more after that, friend. Because, uh, uh, All right, but you uh, are hearing from, I presume, some of the women that you're still in touch with. Yeah, I've heard from loads of people. I, I've, I've had loads of people on to me in relation to this. Um, but you know, and obviously, I, 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 I'm very concerned. Uh, you know, I've, when people are concerned, you have to be concerned. And staring here as I'm talking to, you, looking at a picture of myself and Vicky at Clare 2019 in in um, um I, I I know her views on this without even asking. Um, my good friend, but uh, look, this is an open competition. If that's what's going to happen, that's what's going to happen, but I I have to be honest and say that, you know, obviously people have expressed surprise uh, and concern uh, in relation to this, but you know, if it happens, it happens. And, All, right. Uh, All right, Alan, we appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning to you. And that is uh, Labour TD for Tipperary. Uh, Alan Kelly speaking to us this morning. We'll take a break back in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067-24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Hello to James, who was tuned into the show from Manchester over the last uh, few days. And he was telling me that uh, his uncle is looking forward to uh, me coming over there. I'll be there along with uh, Muriel in Blackpool uh, over St. Patrick's weekend. I'll also be down in Nottingham for a very special uh, do as well. So I'm looking forward to that. So, James, my best to your uncle and thank you for that. Uh, Brian was on to say, Fran, I was incensed to hear Minister Helen McEntee's dismissal of the concerns of the community of Ross Green, in particular the concerns raised by women who rightly feel vulnerable. She appears to be uh, associate, uh, associating it with her new favourite term, misinformation or disinformation, take your pick, uh, using the opportunity to reinforce her argument for justifying her pet project, the hate speech legislation. Instead of addressing legitimate concerns, she should be ashamed of herself and resign as she's clearly not working for the people of uh, Ireland. And that's according to Brian. 
on 83 Now, they can be the bane of many drivers' journeys, often forcing them to drive at the crawl, but most residents in communities around the county and around the country are thankful for the speed ramps in their areas because it does make roads a little bit safer, which is why a recent proposal by Tipperary County Council to ban the use of speed bumps, ramps and cushions as traffic calming measures was met with opposition from many councillors uh, last week. Now, Nina, independent councillor, uh, Michael O'Mara, is uh, chairman of uh, the council's Roads Strategy Policy Committee, and he joins me now. Uh, good morning to you, Michael. Morning, Fran. Morning. Uh, th- thanks for your time today, and good to talk to you. Can you tell me what is behind this? Because a lot of people were, were shocked by this notion, Michael. Well, just to give you a bit of background, Fran, I suppose up until now we've had no real uh, uniformity in the line of putting in ramps for pedestrian crossings. So we set out as the SPC for infrastructure to put a policy to can that's workable and safe for the community and for engineers to put in. Now, as it stands at the moment, we have the old conventional designs of speed bumps, speed humps and speed cushions, which in some ways, you know, they're very archaic, they're old, you know, they can cause uh, problems in the regards of noise. They're not suitable for emergency vehicles. So speed cushions, you know, the ones that ambulances can drive through, yes. but yeah. cars can't, they're very unsuitable because they're seen as um, dangerous for uh, cyclists and for motorcyclists. So we had to come up with a policy that was both safe and a uniform for the people using them and for the motorists as well. So, like, you know, we came up with this idea uh, at the SBC. The engineers uh, give a presentation on it. Um, it gives a very, very good, um, uh, you know, option for people who are visually impaired, people with disabilities. So what we're proposing is that, you know, in no way are we getting rid of ramps, uh, but what we're putting in is what's called pedestrian crossings and raised tables, which are far, far safer, and that you can incorporate uh, pedestrian crossings on them as well. So what exactly is a raised table? Is that what's in, you You might be aware of Rose Green, but I'm just wondering, what, yes. what exactly is a raised table, Michael? The raised table, yes, exactly. What you see in Rose Green are, in actual fact, we're putting them in in Neen at the moment, and we're hoping maybe to get one or two in in Bursa Cane as well. Mm. So that's what they are. They're a far safer option. The old uh, conventional designs, <clears throat> they are dangerous, and there has been insurance cases, not so much in Ireland, but in the continent, in regards of the old speed bumps, and speed cushions, because if you hit a speed cushion on the side on a motorcycle in frosty weather, mm. chances are you'll come off it. Or even in a car, if one uh, two wheels are up on the speed cushion, the ones that the ambulance can drive through, you can lose control of the car. So there has been cases whereby, you know, there has been claims made, and ultimately it's the taxpayer has to pay if the local authority are sued because of a speed bump or speed hump. But what, had you any notion, though, that there was going to be such opposition to this? And people very, very cross about this as well. Yeah, well, in fairness, I suppose, anybody that's seen the presentation at the SBC would be fully behind it. And there was unanimous support at the SBC. Now, at the SBC, we had the same. You know, people, there was a robust discussion at it as well. But I think when it's explained to people, and unfortunately to people at the full council meeting, you know, we have a very large council. A lot of people at the full council meeting didn't have the benefit of the explanation that we had at the SPC. And when it's clearly explained to you, as it was at the SPC, um, you know, you would see that the only way forward are the raised pedestrian crossings and the raised tables. They're far, far safer. They're easier on the motorists as well. You don't hit these speed bumps that rattles your teeth and rattles everything in the car. 
Um, they're being incorporated as it is at the moment. And look, up until now, Fran, you know, we couldn't really put them in anywhere because they're very much a grey area and they're only done in a, an ad hoc process. Now going forward, at least we have a policy that's workable for the council, for the engineers, and we're hoping to incorporate these into new planning applications as well in, in, a, in a residential planning applications for large-scale residential development. You know, they, they should have proper speed controls as well in those residential areas. Right, but Nobody, because of the opposition, uh, uh, Michael, at the meeting now, has this been scuppered? Well, no, there was a concession. Look, it was politics. Politics is all about concession. And what the concession was that in extremely ex- exceptional circumstances, they would consider speed bumps. But as the engineers said, the preferred option, and, you know, it's at the engineer's discretion, is the raised pedestrian crossings and the raised tables. Now, to me, Fran, in practical terms, that, and to me, in my opinion of that, is that we won't see the old traditional speed bumps being put in, in anymore. Instead, we'll see the raised pedestrian crossings and the raised tables, which, in, in fact, they do the same thing as speed bumps and are an awful right. lot safer. And, and will existing speed bumps be taken out then? No, no, they give us a guarantee of that. Right. And any ex- existing speed bumps that are there will be kept and maintained. But as those are being replaced, they will be replaced with the newer designed raised pedestrian the table. Why, why were you so cross with Councillor Jim Ryan? Because he is a member of the SPC too, isn't he? Well, look, Fran, look, myself and Jim Ryan, I suppose we were elected the one day and we would have came, you know, Jim is well at the fighty's corner and I'm, I'm the same. Um, the issue I had with Jim was very simple, like, and unfortunately Jim wasn't at the meeting, the SPC meeting. Um, Jim, you know, took issue with it at the full council meeting. My issue I had was that he should have come to me or some member of the committee. Like, it sort of made little of the committee and the work that we had put in uh, to just raise the full council meeting. But like, look, friend, Jim is an old hand at this. He knows. He was chair of SPCs himself. He knows the proper procedure on this, that you go back to the chair if you have an issue at an SPC. And that's what he should have done. And look, look. That's politics. We move on. All right. We actually actually have Jim on the line there. So let's just give him a a, a rebuttal to to that. Jim, good morning to you and thanks for coming on with us uh, today. Uh, What about that, uh, Jim, that you you dealt with this um, inappropriately, I suppose? I suppose. Look, look, Fran, I'm not on here this morning to to, uh, attack Michael. Um, As Michael said, I was elected the same day as he was elected into the county council and and myself and Michael got on the, the finest. And, you know, it wouldn't be politics if everybody agreed with everything, there's always going to be disagreements and, and people not agreeing with, with certain proposals or policies. But look, um, I suppose I, I, what I'm on here this morning for is is to defend the decision that was taken at the full county council meeting um, that speed ramps should be should be maintained as, as a way of slowing down traffic in Tipperary. I had serious issues with it. And as Michael said, you know, that policy came through the SPC Unfortunately, um, the five years now that I've been on that committee, I've only ever missed one meeting, and that was the one meeting I missed. I, ha- I had a, a medical appointment, unfortunately, on the same day, so I, I couldn't mm-hmm. attend it. But look, um, whether you trash it out as an SBC meeting or a county council meeting, um, as a local elected county councillor, I'm entitled to raise it at whatever. Right, but Michael, um, I think Michael might be making the point that maybe you should have raised these concerns with him beforehand. Uh, uh, look, Fran, we're kind of getting away from the main point of what we're here to, to discuss. Is, well, well is we're not because there, there, there was, you know, there was considerable disagreement uh, about this. So, I know what there wasn't really. It, it was discussed. I mean, you, you've been at council meetings and, and down through the years. I'm on in 25 years. 
there hasn't been one council meeting where councillors didn't, didn't agree with each other or disagree with each other. That, that's, the politics, right. that's the way it works. But, you know, we, the issue here was that the SBC put forward a policy, an excellent policy, actually. And, you know, well, you know, it, it was something that was badly needed for the county. Um, but unfortunately, there was just one sentence in it. There was a couple of pages in length, but there was one sentence in it that myself and the majority of county councillors had a serious problem with, and that was a sentence where the county council were going to implement a policy where speed ramps or speed bumps um, were no longer going to be used as a way of slowing down traffic in Tipperary. And whether I was at the SBC meeting or whether I was at the county council meeting, there was absolutely no way I would have agreed with that. And as I said, mm. at the county council meeting, but my opportunity to outline that, that, that opinion. And, and how do you and, feel now about the situation where the current speed bumps or speed ramps will be left in place? But when eventually they have to be replaced, they'll be replaced with this notion of a table of some sort. How do you feel about that? Well, well, look, friend, there are speed ramps and turtles for the last 20, 25, 30 years, and they've never been replaced. Um, So, I mean, that that shows they're working, they're effective. Um, I don't agree with the fact that the council are leaving themselves open for for legal cases or compensation cases, because if that was the case, I'm sure ITB Insurance mm. or the insurance company for, for Tiberi County Council and every council in the county or in the country would be telling county councils to remove them before mm. cases come. Well, obviously it is an issue if it was brought up by the authority. It's, a, it's an issue, Jim, you know? Well, look, well, Fran, put it this way. Um, what the council were saying is if, if you pick any housing estate in Tipperary, and there's many of them there that have long, straight stretches of road, mm. are you telling me that the county council, if the policy was agreed where speed ramps were no longer going to be used, are you telling me that the county council were going to put in five or six pedestrian crossings in a housing estate to, to slow down traffic? Not in a million years. My, Michael, do you, do you want to just come in on that there, Michael? Yeah, look, um, I, look I, myself and Jim, we had a discussion afterwards on it, and I accepted the decision. Unfortunately, he wasn't at the meeting and he couldn't make it. But <clears throat> look, Jim is big enough and bold enough and more than myself to move on from it. And that's what I, I intend to do uh, with it. Look, there, there, is, there is merit in what he's saying in relation to, yes, of course, if there are speed bumps there, we have to keep them, we have to, we have to, but it all has to, also has to be done in a safe manner. And that's, I'm, and that was the advice from the SBC, <clears throat> from the engineers that give the presentation under the design manual for urban roads and streets, this is the way forward. Up until now, we really had no policy on it. And now we have a very, very good policy, in my view. I think Jim will accept, you know, and in fairness on the day, um, he did look for it and he's entitled to, to look for it. Uh, it was incorporated into the plan that in, in exceptional circumstances we may look at speed bumps. And I think everybody was happy moving away from it, including the executive. And that's the way politics is done, right. and that's the way politics should work. Yeah. All right, Michael, thank you for your time. Jim, can I hang on to you for a moment? Because uh, the yeah. whole notion of the um, uh, the uh, po- old post office on Liberty Square coming up for sale now is uh, uh, being talked about. Your, your, your thoughts about that uh, at this stage, on post-disposing of the premises now? Yeah, look, I suppose it's, it's something that... On post had a promised when they moved the post office from Liberty Square to the shopping centre that they would do something with it. Um, they've obviously looked at it and they failed to reopen it or, or to lease it or to sell it in, in those years. What nearly five years ago now since the post office was moved. So it, it's disappointing it took so long for them to do something with the building. But look, we are where we are. It is up for sale. Hopefully somebody will buy it and mm. Make use of it because it was becoming a bit of an eyesore in the main street in Torles. That nothing seems to be happening with it. Um, so look, at least as that work for sale, there's an opportunity for for some business person or, or a company to get in there, 
hopefully purchase it and reopen it uh, as some sort of a business that's that and, to bring and, a bit of trade back into the square and, and tournament sp- football. Speaking of business, I'm sure like myself, you're saddened that Executive Fenswear now um, is closing yeah. its doors. One of my favourite men's shops in the entire county. I mean, marvellous shop there for so many yeah. years. Sad news there, isn't it, Jim? It is, it is. And look, I just want to wish Richard uh, the best yeah. look in his retirement. I don't, I'm not going to guess how many years he's there, but he's no. there a long, long time. Sure. So, yeah. you know, an, an absolutely fantastic business. Um, and, you know, it has brought, you know, everybody, I suppose, in Torlis, and men, men anyway, have gone in there to buy, buy clothes down through yeah. the years. And, you know, Richard is an absolute gentleman, um, right. a really nice man to deal with. But, but a blow sad. to the square is such a fantastic and a renowned shop uh, to be Absolutely, square, you know, yeah. and unfortunately, it's 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 a retirement. Um, yeah. I'm not sure whether anybody in the family wants to take it over or not, but I, I have heard rumours that somebody has bought it. So hopefully, if, if that yeah. is the case, that it will be reopened, whether it's a, it's a clothes shop or something else, I don't know, but... Well, you know, well, as long as it's, as long as it's not going to be another post office situation where it's just left idle there for a couple of years. But well, look, yeah. you know, Torlis is is you know, town centre. You know, we're trying to encourage people into the town centre and business into the town centre. And Torlis is is a very attractive town for anybody to come in and open a business. So I would encourage people who are thinking yeah. about opening some sort of business in Torlis, come to Torlis, and you'll be well looked after. All right, uh, Jim, good to talk to you today. Thank you. Good morning to you. That's Councillor Jim Ryan. Ahead of that, we heard from Councillor uh, Michael O'Mara. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie With a high... Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Eamon O'Dwyer is in feathered for this week's Down Your Way. Let's give you a little taste of what you can expect tomorrow morning after 10. Tipperary and a book fair here in feathered. The very beautiful Mary Hanrahan is with me. How are you doing, Mary? Good morning, Eamon. Fortigo Fjord, we're delighted to have you back with us again on, on, our, on our Tipperary on a book fair Sunday. It's this Bristol Sunday. Tell us about the Tipperary Where did that come about? That, that's really interesting. We started our first book fair in 1996, and our focus obviously was Tipperary books, all books, but a special emphasis on Tipperary. And you might remember Rudy Hopsatful. He was a book dealer in Tipperary Town, and he was here. And he, 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 was, he came here the first year, one of our booksellers, but he produced a little booklet. Uh, detailing at the time all the books available relating to Tipperary and he called it Tipperariana and we were really taken with that name so he gifted us that name for our book fair now Rudy has gone to the great bookshop in the sky but uh, in a way it's a tribute to him too and to all the book dealers who gave us such support through the years you mentioned uh, he gave you a small book my god there's thousands (laughs) of books here there are literally thousands of books on every possible subject obviously a lot of um, you know history books a lot of antiquarian books but also you as you look around yourself you see very general reading we even have postcards upstairs we're delighted this year we have the secondary school pupils from patrician presentation secondary school feathered they're here selling teenage fiction etc so you know again community amen it's about community it's about people it's about being inclusive we're here in this beautiful hall as was restored to a great extent in oh, the last number of years. I tell you, our ballroom committee should take great, great credit, you know, because the, if you're even just looking at the floor, this floor, and tonight, when we're gone, we'll, be, we'll finish at half four, all going well, we'll everything, all, everything you see here, Eamon, and it, as you can see, it's, it's, there's a lot to see, will be gone, cleared, and at half eight tonight, they'll be taking to the floor 
dancing and feathered. <laughs> so it's still a ballroom of romance. Absolutely, yeah. I remember all those years ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, yes. There were times when you come here to people like Joe Dolan and literally there wasn't room to dance. It was shoulder to shoulder. People just packed yeah, in, yeah. yeah. So but what amazes me about the ballroom, just for... for, for it, it, it looks so small. Like in kind of time we were coming dancing and stuff like that. Uh, it, it was massive. Is, is that a sign, Eamon, of something? Is that what we call nostalgia? <laughs> or looking back? I don't know, it does. But, but I mean, it holds a lot of book dealers. It holds a lot of people. Yeah. It's great. And, and again, it's a community space and it's used for all yeah. kinds of things. So Tell it's us wonderful. About all your book dealers, all the people that have come here today. Oh, my gosh. We have such a range. We have people from all over the country, from Macroom, from Antrim, from Tipperary, of course, as well, from West Cork. So as you, as you come around, Noemi, and you'll meet them yourself. And it's... And, and, yeah, there are people who come to us regularly, you know, from all over the country. And, and they, would, they love coming to Feather. It's wonderful because otherwise, without them, it wouldn't happen. Yeah, you know, it just amazes me. And what you charge coming in, it's hugely expensive to come in here. <laughs> Isn't it? All of three euros, Eamon. <laughs> oh and God. I know you said it to me the last time you were here. Why don't we put up the prices? And again, three euros. And we do not charge for children. You know, the company children are free. Because, again, we want it to be, you know, affordable and accessible and a family day out. Now, also, of course, we want to make money. But I think we can do it with our books, etc. You know? It's just amazing. Look at the... The historical society here, uh, just massive as well, and I'm yeah. sure they're part of. Oh part well, of this is part. our thing. I mean, yeah. you know, we, we looked at how how do we, as you know, every organisation needs money, and how do you make money? And uh, Terry Cunningham, of course, a, a stalwart Terry, uh, he came up with the idea of a book fair. I suppose it was a natural progression. We're interested in history, we're interested in books, and the book fair, and this is our fundraiser. So what we make here today will fund our activities for the year. Absolutely, and what activities go on here in, in Fiddle? Oh, well, well. We, we, we host all kinds of things, Eamon. Lectures, obviously, we arrange trips away. Um, we've been involved with our local um, heritage officer, and you know, heritage and uh, heritage council. We do all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we also, during the summer, well, I suppose you'd say from Eastron, we offer a guided walks of Feathered as well. Mm-hmm. And we do our own research too, you know, so there's all kinds of things bubbling away. Just and we're very pleased that even during COVID, you know, when we couldn't... We couldn't meet physically, but even during COVID, we managed to launch a booklet on one of our local uh, local um, volunteers that was that was shot during um, you know d- during the troubled times. So mm-hmm. we managed to keep things going. So we do we, pr- we print various yeah. books and things. And of course, last year we had the publication of the um, the Abbey booklet, and we we hosted the Father Iggy did all of that. Father Iggy Donovan down in the Abbey, but we then hosted the launch and that kind of thing. So it's all kinds of things happening, Eamon. Surely, you know who knows Park in the car. I know we did a great program down here uh, maybe a couple of years ago now uh, you know the great walls of feathered oh that walt yeah well that's i suppose feathered is recognized i'm sure you've heard me say this before as the finest example of a small medieval wall town name and most of our wall and the great thing is now we have our east park so you can walk down to the wall the whole new development that's going on here with the convent that's going to become our, our, our community daycare center with sheltered accommodation as well uh, in what was the former convent garden but that's also going to open up a whole stretch of our town wall so we're going to have nearly a complete circuit, so mm-hmm. open and accessible to people who visit Feathered. That's incredible. Well, isn't that brilliant too for the Historical Society, you know, because you have something coming in the it background all is, the time. It is, it is, and I mean, it was one of our stated aims when we started to raise, when we started over um, 35 years ago, you know, there was, there was very little awareness of the importance of the town wall. I don't think there's anybody now who doesn't... I, I, I'm, obviously, I'm stating that outside of archaeological and academic circles, 
but on a general basis. I think too that's because Feather t- uh, because Tipperary has such a wealth of places. You have the Rock, you have Kerr Castle, you have Ormond Castle down in Kerr. So they really didn't need need Feathered. If I think if we were anywhere else, we'd be the jewel in the crown. Well, it's lovely to hear Mary's voice back on the radio again. Uh, that's uh, Imno Dwyer's Down Your Way uh, from the book fair in uh, Feathered, which is a huge success and it's been going on for so many years now at this point. But anyway, you can hear that show in its entirety from 10 o'clock tomorrow here on Tip FM. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat. Welcome back to the final hour of uh, Tip Today. And it being Friday, welcome to the Friday panel. And I'm glad to be joined in the studio by Solicitor Kieran Cleary is with us, uh, Liam Brown, community activist in the Cashel area, and Alison Devere Hunt of Cashel Mart with us as well. Good morning to you all, and thank you for coming on uh, today. Before we get into the list and the agenda that we sort of have for, for today, can I get your comment, to, um, Alison, on uh, Minister McEntee? Uh, this morning, because a lot of people took exception, I suppose, to what she said, particularly when she referenced the women of Rosquay. What, what did you... Completely. Like, you know, there's... Where I have a major issue, like, she's talking about... She's basically pushing it away, and it is a major issue. Those people in Rosquay, you know, the, the town has been taken over. There isn't the correct procedures in place. We found out earlier in the week that they're not fingerprinting. So we're having all these undocumented, predominantly male people coming in who we have no idea. Who gets rid of their, their uh, paperwork? None of, you know, unless there is, you know, you have an issue. But like, most of the younger surrounded that notion again of the conflating of issues between migrants who come here to work. Uh, that you and know, come here legally, and, and there is no no, there is no there, correlation is there, there yeah. I believe, because these are people that are being housed in, you know, they're being shoved into places. Yeah. They're not working. We've had more than two thousand deportation orders that have been revoked since two thousand and eighteen. In some cases, due to the amnesty granted by Minister McEntee. Um, these are for un- a lot of these are for undocumented, um, say their figures are for undocumented people according to the grift. Um, and in the last three years, you know the numbers have been higher, uh, say for revo- for revoking of deportations than actual deportations themselves. These are the real issues. These are what pe- uh, people are up in arms over. They're not over up in arms over people coming in to work in our hospitals or people that are here to contribute to our society. Mm. We have issues over mass immigration into this country. Ma- you know, of undocumented people, of m- so many undocumented men, of people, there, you know, the safe countries. Why are we, ha- like, you know, they've added two recently mm. to the list, but we have a n- huge number of people coming in from the likes of Georgia, Albania, places like that. This is all wrong, you mm. know, and she is pulling 
her own agenda on this and it doesn't correlate with the people that are on the streets, how they feel about this. People are frightened. And what happened in Ross Grey the other night was just an example of that. and w- With the women With the women. And that's yeah. why the women came together outside the yeah. Garda station. And fair play to them because we have to stand up. And I think it's very disingenuous and ignorant towards the people of Ireland. Kieran, what, what are you making of this? That, that you know, it's, it's confusing issues because, you know, you're talking about people who come in here legally to work and then you have issues with, with uh, you know, communities that are overwhelmed by numbers well, uh, in, at the in same our office, time. My son, Roger, does immigration law, France, yes. and we deal with immigrants all the time. Huge numbers of applications. Some succeed, some don't succeed. Uh, and there's a process. And they're checked out and everything. And, th- and they're welcome to our country. And they bring talent and a work ethics with them. I'm completely with the people in Ross Grey. It's dreadful to foster complete strangers on your parish and into your hall. You have no idea who they are, where they're coming from. And you wouldn't get into America. You couldn't go, sorry, many countries you can't get into without having your criminal background examined. And they, anybody could be next door. I, I really think it's appalling. They're no. not per se objecting. They, they would say don't. to you that these are emergency situations, these are they, unfortunate they, situations, yeah, people are, coming from war and And of course they're misfortunate, <laughs> but they should be kept somewhere until they can inquire, who, who are you? I understand that what's happened, the immigrants are coming on flights, they're dropping their passports in the flights, so when they arrive off the flight, there's no documentation. And then we're stuck, but we don't know who they are. I mean, mm. it is wrong. You can't do well, that. What is the system like, Kieran, in terms of application for, for to stay here? Well, it, 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 is it, it efficient? It, it, it's superbly efficient. It is seriously good. But it's the ticking boxes, it's getting references, and it's supporting your application with your academic or what right. other talent you have. That's if people uh, want to come here to they, work. If they want to come to work, yes. yes. And with that, you then qualify for a work permit, and then eventually you'll apply for citizenship. That's a long way down the road. But to get a work permit, you can't get into the health scheme or any of those without the permit. So you must prove all the documents. And that's fine. They're very welcome. And they come and they bring their talents, they earn an income, and they leave a lot of the income here and they send some of it home. And that's their choice. Interesting, yeah. Liam, uh, what did you... First of all, what the Minister had to say this morning, what what did you make of that? I think the Minister, um, the two main political parties in the government and the third one, the smaller one, should be ashamed of themselves the way they've begun to go and talk about this in the past couple of months. Um, they know there's an issue with immigration. There's no doubt about it. It's on everybody's lips. It's it's the first thing around the water cooler, around the, the table in work. And the way the government have decided is not to fix the problem that people have. It's to conflate it with a problem that people don't have and to try and put the whole idea of anybody from outside of Ireland coming into this country as being a problem And when we know it's not. As Kieran said there, if people want to come here legally, there's a, there is a system. You get a work visa, you show a need for them to be here, you know who they are before they come, you bring them in, they're completely documented. There's not a person in the country I've met who has a problem with that system because that's the exact same system as our sons and daughters who go to Australia. Mm. They, they're documented, they show a work need, they go and work. If they go on a J1 visa to America, they show a need, they go and work. As Kieran said, and I've been through it myself, I've worked abroad myself, if I landed at an airport anywhere in the world without a work visa, without, the, without a passport, I would literally be turned... If I would be lucky not to be put in jail, but I'd certainly be put on a plane and put back within 24 to 48 hours. So for the government to try to conflate the idea mm. that a doctor or a nurse or a caregiver in, in a hospital 
that we've gone and looked for and came over is the same as someone who's dropped off a plane, who's torn up their passport because they had to have it getting on, has been the same thing. It's insidious, it's patronising and it's wrong and they should stop doing it immediately. And the other one they keep coming up with, oh, should the Irish had to go abroad and, you know, we were accepted into countries and all of that. You hear that all the time as well. I I do, I hear it. And as I said, I've worked abroad myself. Yes. But again, we go back to the idea that none of us ever got in a plane. If I if I want to leave here this morning, drive down to Shannon, hop on a plane to America, I can do it. But I can guarantee you I'd be arrested the second I put my foot in America because I wouldn't have a work visa, I wouldn't have a holiday visa, I wouldn't have gone through the systems. Now, if you have genuine refugees, which you do have, you genuine asylum seekers, which yes. you do have, yeah. then you take them, like uh, Kieran said, and you bring them someplace like City West and you process them there and you don't send them out into the wider community until, we're pro- until they're processed, until you know where they've come from, until you know who they are. Yes. But in this country, we seem to have this idea that anybody who drops off a plane, <clears throat> lands in the country, they, they basically sign whatever name they want to sign because we don't have documents. And they're put on a bus and they're dropped into a place like Ross Grey, they're dropped into a town like Cashel or any other small community in this country without services, without language, without education, without possibly counselling. Because if they're coming from areas which are traumatic, what they, what they yes. claim to be traumatic areas, they mm. need counselling. And just local communities, you look after them. Now, the Irish people, in fairness to them, were absolutely fantastic uh, two years ago. The war in Ukraine apparently started this day two years ago and we pulled in together and we did as much as we can, as quick as we can. But I don't think anybody then thought that this was going to last for two years and be going on and be seemingly growing two years now. And this will go on, I said it a year and a half ago, for 10 years. And yet no real extra services have been put in. But there are still seven and 800 people a week arriving when we have a 1,000 people at the moment lying on footpaths in, oh, right. in, in and, tents. And you do accept it is the big issue, isn't it? it? it I mean, it's, it's, anybody, it's ahead of housing even. Anybody, point, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I have reason to ask people lately, yeah. what are the big issues? And I can tell you, every single one of them have them in the top three and the vast majority of people have them as number one because the immigration issue then affects the housing issue, it affects the health issue and it affects the other issues. But it is absolutely the number one issue and I think it's going to be a huge issue coming up to local elections and there'll be a general election within nine months and I think that's why the government are trying to conflate migration and immigration and trying to get people to say nothing because you're being unfair on the doctors and nurses. We have... No problem with people who are documented, who have work, who, as as Kieran said, we have a huge Polish community, Latvian community, Lithuanian community in Cashel. They have their own businesses, they have their own jobs. They're fantastic. It's undocumented people arriving in here where we know nothing about them. That's all the right, issue. All right, to move on but then. The Shun- thing, friend, you're connected. Uh, yes, Kieran, you can, when you come off the flight, you assume a different name. Mm. You have no idea who you're dealing with. Yeah. You have no concept. You should keep them in the city west. Check them and check them. And then if they're telling lies, which you are, <clears throat> just send them home. You must mm-hmm. prove who you are. You can't go into any country without your passport and your PRSI Absolutely. number. Absolutely. And why would you not? Why would you want to go in without yeah, it? Why, you know? why wouldn't you bring it with you? Well, they would say that, I mean, OK, not everybody who gets away from a traumatic situation or event would have the documentation But they have to get on the them. plane, so they would have the you documentation the then. So, like, unless you're trying to hide something, why would you get rid of your documentation? It's something. Right. No, we, it's something when you go somewhere, you check it three and four times to make sure you actually have it that yeah. you haven't and, forgotten. And, and, it. and of course, we heard that that um, percentage of people who are coming in now who are people who are coming in that are being trafficked into the country as well. I have no doubt. We're so corrupt. Huge, huge. huge uh, well, uh, well, look, of it. I mean, I, I don't want to sound um, uh, very dramatic. 
But the reality is, is you know, there are definitely criminal elements coming in. Because you know, if they're criminal elements in their own country, it's a way of getting away from 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 the police in their own country to come in along. And what did the Georgian and Prime Minister say? Yeah. Or not to say one of the MPs say there recently no. that uh, you know we there's, don't have a no problem reason. here, there's and no reason for and, and the Irish Georgia. are taking our problem. Yeah. You know, but Fran, oh. it's not so long ago in my legal career when we were sending criminals here to England. Exactly, we used to. The judge would say, "Give you six months." That's right. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to England tonight. God, you just we reminded me of with that. that. You've yeah. reminded me of that, though, yeah. <laughs> Many people, and then they came back months later, and it was all... <laughs> the, Cubans did, the Cubans did it in America. Yeah, Sent their problem to Cuba, sent their problem to Miami. All right, let me move on, because there's a good few things we want to get through. Shuni Raleigh, um, sensationally, I suppose, quit as chair of the RTE board. Her resignation late last night came after the appearance by Catherine Martin, the uh, media minister, on a prime time. She told prime time, therefore telling the viewers, that she had been misinformed uh, twice this week in relation to RTE exit packages. Uh, Alison, do you want to take that first of all? Um, yet another scandal, yet another uh, difficulty for RTE. Completely. And like the Minister Catherine Martin on Wednesday was saying how Nirali was doing such a good job and then by Thursday <laughs> she couldn't trust it anymore. So, like, you know, we had Minister Martin last week on about the referendum and her own interpretation of it, which was corrected by Justice Mary Baker, but to say um, mm. Minister Martin decided to stick by her original... That, that's where she said in the Constitution it says women's place is in the home, yes, is that it? Yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, So for me, I'm like, it looks a bit like the Minister's telling Porkies as well. It's very hard. There's no definitive information. Um, you know, say, Niralik said that she um, let the Minister's department know Yes. And Minister oh, Martin... Oh, we said, have to take... We can't say she's telling Porky. We, we have to take what she says. Uh, but you see, the you thing know. is, we're getting conflicting stories. Yes. So, yeah. what do you believe? You well, know, is her position at the moment then in question, do you think? I do think Minister Martin's position is in question, definitely. I think she's been extremely weak on the whole RTE debacle. Mm. Um, it's just one thing after well, another. She's made, she always makes the point that uh, her way of dealing with RTE is only through the chair, that it's not appropriate for for a media minister to be dealing in the day-to-day running of RTE. So this is her excuse all of the time. Now, I could see that being right in the case of editorial decisions and stuff, but but can you understand... On the, the say, the broader scale yeah. of what's going on, and because it's, you know, it's the national broadcaster, this is something her finger needs to be on the pulse on. You know, there's... There, that's and it's not as far that's as That's a cop-out, yeah. you know, because... The state broadcaster, the, this is taxpayers' money. You know, you've an awful lot of people now not paying their television licence. Couldn't blame them. Um, so, definitely, this is of the in, in the interest of the people of Ireland. It's a major scandal. So, I would definitely think that she should have her finger more on the pulse and know exactly what's going on. Like, how these questions weren't asked before. You know, now we have Rory Coveney. We've, who else? We just don't know. And so do you, do you think there's a lot more to come? I don't know. And for the ordinary employee in RTE, I think it's horrible, probably. You know, the environment is poor. RTE has been, you know, say, it's, the, it's so muddy. Everything is muddy yeah. about it. That I do think it's, it's of... It's, you know, in her position. Do you, do you not think it's important to know who was in the meeting when she was, as she says herself, misinformed? Completely. All like, we're getting is that Kevin I, Backhurst was there. We don't know who else was there. We don't know even if he was there. Like, right. there's so much But if he was messaging. there, you'd imagine he would have put in his tuppence, ha'pence worth. Completely. And now you see um, 
O'Reilly O'Reilly can't be questioned on this because because she's gone. Another one, you know, like D Forbes, like them all. And you'd wonder will be an exit package for for Miss O'Reilly. I know that's another thing. Kieran, what what do you make of RT? Because I mean, you're a fan of RT, aren't you? <laughs> well, uh, having appeared many times, many times, well, I was just star and, uh, star of RT. Star. Yes. <laughs> no, the, the weakness in the inquiry by the Oireachtas Committee is they cannot compel a member to come before it. Yeah. Now, and I just in in the courts which I spent my life on, if there's been a road traffic accident and I want to witness, and I know a witness, and we say Alison witnessed it, and she says I am not coming to court, get lost. I can get a summons issued and served on her, arrested by the guards and brought to court. Now, she might give conflicting evidence. She might say it never happened, but I have the power. I, I can do it. They cannot get D. Is Forbes that a subpoena? Is it's that a subpoena, yes, yeah. well done. They cannot get D. Forbes to come. She has all the information. And, and that's the weakness in it. They cannot get anybody who doesn't want to give evidence. And the lady who resigned last night, they can't compel her to do anything. But it's not a court, Kieran. I know so, it's not, but it's an know. inquiry. Yes. It's an inquiry. So what, what, the, what status does that actually it, have? It? Is it just it's, to it's, ask it's, questions? It's, no, it doesn't have any basis at all. Right. It's pure hot air. All the TDs look wonderful on television. And they have this uh, mantra, I ask the hard question. It doesn't matter what they ask. I can answer what I like. There's nothing they can do about me. I cannot be chastised or fined. It's it's a waste of time, actually. It looks do you lovely. think so? I think it's a complete waste of time. They should have a, some system. Why the ministers of that section over the years did not bring it online? Now, where are they now? What happened in 2016? Who was the minister then? Why is it all happening now? They didn't. So they still don't seem to know. I I, I wasn't involved. So there's answers back through the years, ah, as far be, as you're yes, concerned. You're, you're, you're responsible for your department. Yeah, uh, Liam, your your thoughts on this? Yeah, well, look, what Alison has said and what Kieran has said is right. The big problem with the public accounts committee is the lack of compatibility. And there is a case to be made to say that that was the reason why the Public Accounts Committee was set up and that's why the rest of the the committees, because practically every TD now at this stage is on a committee and they get a nice little extra bonus for being on the committee. Let's let's tell each other that. They go in, there's a lot of show for television, they shout across at the whoever's at the other side, they come back down here, they wave the flag and say, oh, I told them what, what. But nothing happens. So it, it is a lot of hot air, as Kieran said. The real yeah. reality with RT is an but, issue. But is it not? I beg your pardon, Liam. Is it not fair to say we wouldn't know much or anything about what happened with Ryan Tuberty, for example, if we didn't have the media committee and if we didn't have PAC? Yeah, that's about the only thing that it's good for. But the reality is, is, is coming on to my next point. The real problem within RT is a lack of governance. Like you know, we had Maya Doherty who was supposed to be overseeing the the board at one stage. She wasn't even bothering going to meetings herself, and she was the chairperson. Uh, D Forbes apparently signed off with Rory Coveney on two million of taxpayers' money for the toy show, toy show, the musical. Nobody else knew it was being done. When they found out it was being done, they didn't do anything about it. I read last night. I mean, about the the money that was given to RTE during COVID by the government it was an extra seventy million given to RTE, and it looks like there was a good chunk of that money was given for payments for people leaving RTE, <coughs> not for actually keeping keeping RTE going itself. The other money was to promote vaccination and exactly, yeah. I and mean, information. In they've general, they've yeah. broke they've broken the law, um, and I don't take that lightly. But the redundancy law, which is if you if you give somebody redundancy, you've got to extinguish. The, the, position. the position. You know, um, Brenda, I can't remember her name, but the, the woman there, was she was given a redundancy payment, but the, somebody else was given the position the week after she left. You know, she was texting into the... Mm. Texting into Kevin Backhorst while he was given... Um, 
evidence to the evidence, committee yeah. telling him what to say. But can, can I be devil's advocate on this where Backhurst is concerned? Is he not trying to get rid of people, uh, old stock of RTE, uh, do you think, Alison? And the payoffs are there because if it ended up in litigation with, with very expensive people like Kieran, uh, it would cost a fortune to the taxpayer and to RT. Thank you very much for, for that. Thank you very but, much. All, but in relation to that, an awful lot of these people resigned. <laughs> so when you resign, you shouldn't be entitled to a payoff. Yeah. So, But that, now do you notice that wording has changed now that it was a mutual agreement. Originally we heard resignation where Mr. Coveney was concerned. And it was always resignation that was used, say, for the, the last bunch. You know, so the thing is, it's a bit like Helen McEntee telling us about Ross Gray. The the language that's being used, the messaging that they're trying to portray is not actually reflective of what's going on. And that's where there's a big issue. And Backhurst was coming in to save the day and now he seems to be kind of caught up in the middle of it too. So... Like, to a degree, yes, it, there was cost-saving measures put in place, they were telling us, but then they were giving out money to people who had resigned that were not entitled to get this money. Now, that woman, and I can't think of her name either, who got the... O'Reilly, was it? Was uh, it O'Reilly? Brenda O'Reilly, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, like, now the tax, RTE are culpable for the tax on her payout as well. Like, it's ridiculous. Yes. It's, it's, it, when it's easy to spend someone else's money. Yeah, yes, Lee. But, but what, we have, what we have now is, is a situation, and I, I got a, a message off a guy last week said to me, they got the, the TV inspector come out to the door, should he pay the licence fee? Now, I know that there's thousands of people who have not paid the licence fee. Do I tell this guy not to pay the licence fee and get him in trouble possibly with Kieran and send him out the summons? Uh, we now have 20 million, I think, of licence fees unpaid. Mm. That's now going to either clog up the courts for... God knows how long, or there's going to be an amnesty. There's people who have paid it because they think they should pay it. And these people are just spending, they're spending taxpayers' money like it's their own money. Yeah. And oh, what, can you see so, that point, though, that it actually could save money to the taxpayer by giving these people that, that if, golden hand? If handle. you resign, if you, Flan Curry, who's been here, if you resign, <laughs> you're entitled to month's salary, whatever you're, you're paid by month of the week, yeah. you're not entitled to any package. You're not entitled to anything. You have made a decision, you get your holiday entitlement, whatever it is, and that's it. I find it incredible giving hand, golden handshakes to people mm. to get rid of it. I've resigned, I'm gone. If you sack me, I'm entitled to my redundancy. It's usually a week and a half. They might be handsome and give you three weeks, but you're gone. Mm-hmm. It is wrong to, to do that. That's... You, you can't you mean in principle it's in, wrong. Yeah, it's either. wrong completely. It's, in law, it's wrong. Any, it's not it's principle. Yeah. In law, it's wrong. It's wrong. Yeah. It's wrong. Yeah. You cannot... And then they sign confidentiality agreements. Mm. What is going on? And would that be usual? Here? It's, it's uh, at that level, perhaps it is. Confidentiality agreements are when a very um, a, a good quality employee is leaving, and you don't want to. First of all, there's a competition clause. You cannot compete against this company for twelve months, and then the confidential because they don't want other members of the staff to say, "Well, we should be entitled okay. to that," mm. and that's fine. But you can't come if you sign the agreement. That's it. Neither party can breach that. All right, let me take a break. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie 
Now, you're very welcome back to the Friday panel. And uh, Liam Brown is with us, Karen Cleary and Alice Devere Hunt as well. Um, all right, let us move on then to the upcoming referendums because that's been huge on the programme. Uh, during the week, we spoke to uh, former Attorney General uh, Senator Michael McDowell on the programme yesterday and it got the most amazing response from people who, who listened. Uh, it really, really surprised me. But the coverage anyway... Um, it's been noticeable this week that there's much more of it, I suppose, but there's still a lot of confusion uh, out there. Kieran, can I start with you on this? Do you accept there's a lot of confusion out there about uh, what people are voting for? Well, let, today we'll solve the problems for everybody. <laughs> uh, the Presently, the family amendment, that's the first proposal, at the moment the state recognised a family unit is those who are married. Mammy and Daddy married and they have children. That is the family. They're now proposing that anybody in a durable relationship is a family unit. And there's different categories for units. And that is the way the Ireland is moving. Marriage is not history, but it's past tense. And there's people in all kinds of relationships and they can't be isolated. But, but is that not the main question here? What is durable? Well, that's exactly. Well done. My lord, uh, <laughs> durable is uh, it should actually be decided by the courts, but we'll just give you a guidelines at the moment to show that you're you must be in the durable relationship for two years, you must be cohabiting with that person, and to prove that you can have a marriage search or a tenancy agreement, utility bills, or council taxes, or indeed if you have a bank statement that shows durability. The word durability will be trashed through forever, but it will be eventually it will. Be decided by so, the courts. So that's the outline, but you're right, yeah. of course. It, yeah. it is eventually it, it, the courts. Well, it, the the court will decide, that, and that will set the precedent for it. That'll take a little while, but it gives a great chance to everybody who's not actually married. Right. It's, it's a, and that's the way it is. But many people have the opinion that this is going to blow out of proportion and it yeah. will, you know, have a situation where families who are here from overseas will be able to bring in lots more people uh, as you're, part you're, of you're what they call it. You're we could all have more wives. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never no. know. Well, <laughs> if it's not the law of the land, of course, yeah. it, it, yeah. it that, won't that, be seen as being We'll have durable, to see what the it? spin-off will be. Yes. But you, we must move on. I mean, I know Michael McDowell, he's, but he's very conservative. There's a huge amount of people now in relationships who do not wish to get married, and they must be respected. There's people who have relationships and they don't work out, they move on to somebody else. They must be respected too. Right. And the marriage should no longer be the actual bedrock on which we all found, find everything. They have a right, they have an entitlement, and I certainly am going to vote yes. Right, although okay. I, although I would be of a different yeah. generation. Oh, oh, yeah, but I mean, that's... Yeah. that's I mean, we're celebrating 55 years married to each other. But I fully realise other people hadn't that luck in life or yes. hadn't the choice. Yes, and but do you think these referendums are necessary? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes. certainly. You, you oh, this have no is, doubt about Oh, that. I have none whatsoever. I can see it from the courts all the time. The relationships now are way beyond... I mean... People no longer ask you, you're married. I was asking Alison this morning, and I thought it was going to hit me. She said, nobody gets married, Kieran. And she's right. I did not yes. say no, nobody well, gets well, married, Kieran. Well, 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 sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you're taking words out of my mouth there now. No, but people don't. No. But the, no, the no, new no. cohabitation laws, have yes. they not made this unnecessary? Well, because... no, the cohabitation laws are pretty good. They, they show you you have to be two years cohabiting with somebody. So it's, um, no, it's, it's, it's necessary. The family it's has necessary. units okay. exchanged forever. Uh, Alison, besides having a with Kieran about him... <laughs> Um, paraphrasing you. Let me put yes. that gently. Um, what about you on this, uh, Alison? I will be voting a firm no. Mm. Um, 
I don't see the point in it. I think a durable relationship. I think the way Kieran has explained it, I could be sharing a house with Liam. We could say we're both going to put our names on the electricity bill and split it. Like, who's to say that's not a durable relationship? I don't think enough thought has been put into this. I don't think there's any respect for mothers in this. And I'm, and it just shows how government are um, quite freaked out seeing that um, Mary Lou came out yesterday evening and said that if we don't vote yes, she, if she gets into power in the next election, that they're going to make us vote again. Yeah. Um, a lot of people in, in sense about that. Now, in fairness to Mary, God, I'm doing a lot of in fairness today. <laughs> I, I, I think if she put it back to the people again, it would be, be with a different wording, obviously, because they have concerns with the wording, even though they're, they're advocating a yes vote. Yeah, they're adver- so that kind of makes it, that in itself the nonsense of that. They're advocating for a yes even though they don't agree with the language. Um, Like the bigger parties have posters everywhere and the Green Party's poster of a mother holding a baby. It's quite ironic, isn't it? You know, they want to take us out of the Constitution but there they are, a mother and baby. Um, I think, as I said to Kieran before we came in, he wouldn't have been born only for a mother. I think I never knew that. Mm. uh, No, but I think women are so important and I think you know, to, to erase us from the Constitution. You mean the word woman and the word mother yes, as well. Yes, I yeah. think is is I, I'm not up for that. Definitely yeah. not. All right, Liam, uh, what, what are you making? Because since we last spoke, there's a lot more information out there now, I suppose. Or is there? I don't know. There's a lot more information, but it's, it, it's, it's, I think it's confused people even more. Now, before we go on further, it seems that the, the first two contributors, Kieran and Alison there, Kieran really only dealt with... The first one aspect, of aspect of, yeah. and Alison seems to be dealing with the second aspect, yeah. and I don't think people really fully understand either or or conflate both of them together. Yes. So let's just say talk about something that Kieran said. You know that a durable relationship would be based on cohabitation. I have a daughter who's living with a woman for five years in Dublin. They've cohabited for five years. You know, does my daughter have any rights towards that woman's property or not? You know, we have cohabiting legislation. They're not married. They're living together. If that they're woman, sharing a they're sharing a house. Okay, that's right. what I'm saying. Like, so I mean, if 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 that woman passed away, would my daughter have any right to stay in the house? You know, Karen, can, you, can you answer that as a solicitor? Can you? I mean, can would I you, send you have an rights? advice to somebody after this? <laughs> yeah. I'm doing this every time I come in here. You milk me for information. John Lynch comes on for nothing, and yeah. I have to. Hang out. <laughs> Am I on the clock here? Now? Yeah. <laughs> what about that? I mean, would yes, that, is, yeah, could, there's a, there's could that be mark. seen as a durable relationship? Yeah. For instance, so, sorry, could that be seen as a durable? No, that's not. It's cohabiting. Cohabiting well, is a different but, but, matter. But, but you, you just say durable relation. You just say they're not sharing a room; they're sharing a house. No, I you just said that. No. you just said first of all that a durable relationship would be based on something like cohabiting. No, that's for the more than two it. years. Yet the proof of cohabiting is actually well, they've the, lived for five years together. Yeah. No, but leave that aside for a moment. Yeah, durable relationship is where people share debate. Put it that way. That's how do you know what they're saying? Hold on, I mean, I have to stand at the end of the bed to see what's well, but, going on. But you see, but you see, the problem. <laughs> you see, is. the problem we have now, Kieran, is is we have now in in two minutes introduced a whole other different complexity. Is durable that they're sharing a bed? Are a husband and wife who are not sharing a bed not a durable relationship anymore? Well, they say they're, the state recognised the family unit being married, so they're married, so they are. A but but what I'm saying, yes, they do, and they now want to change that. 
that's the whole idea of the amendment. They want to change it from being right. based on marriage to being based on a job relationship. But isn't this an example? This is exactly of, the problem of, of the complexity. It is for within to make two up their minutes, minds. within two minutes, yeah. four people here can have a completely different idea yes, as can. to what a marriage is, as to what a job relationship is, how long a job relationship uh, lasts. When does a job relationship break? You know, and when does the rights that are recorded right. upon somebody but this will go through the courts? Yes. Yeah. This will go through the courts. Exactly. But and the, the, the it'll take some time to do it. Exactly. But the problem we have now is we're asking people to change the constitution, which is the fundamental legal document of the country, on the basis that something will be changed sometime in the future, mm. yeah. which we don't know. I thought M Michael McDougall made a very interesting point as well yesterday, and I hadn't thought about it. You cannot look at an article in isolation. I mean, no. he mentioned Article 45 informing... Yes. Article 41, which I thought was very interesting. Nobody has spoken about it. Yeah, this, this is the problem constantly with law. Like, for example, you take a, you take a lot of people, uh, go back to the, 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 not the Eighth Amendment, yes, the Eighth Amendment, uh, where abortion yes. suddenly became allowed. There's an awful lot of people who voted for abortion who now say they didn't realise it was going to be changed by law from 12 weeks to 26 weeks to possibly 48 weeks. And if they'd known then what they know now, they would have voted differently. So when you have a situation where a government, and Thomas Byrne did this on Katie Hannon on Monday night, saying basically, trust us, mm. we'll, we, we'll be okay. That was a once. car crash interview. An absolute car crash interview. Because we're being asked to trust them that they know what they're doing in the legislation. But then they're not giving us what they're going right. to do. Any of this changing your mind, Kieran? Not the slightest. Okay. Well, it is. But the, what I'm just recognising here in this amendment, there is no input from the church whatsoever. Any amendments I ever voted on, I mean, a long while here, the church always had an influence. They had an opinion. Mm. They're saying nothing now. It well, just owns the standing well, why, domain. Why do you think that they, is? They have no standing whatsoever. Yeah, but they can't influence anybody I know, but, but that, that's a different issue, uh, and, yeah. we, and we no, can get on to that, but just that to is, kind of stick yeah. to the point itself in that, because this is, this is the issue. People are confused. And there was a time where we did have people like the church, we had political parties, who pushed a particular line, and then their supporters would... <laughs> basically Follow trust them. That, yeah. that mm -hmm. trust is gone. Mm -hmm. You now have Sinn Féin. I'm very disappointed mm -hmm. with Sinn Féin coming out and saying we're going to ask people to vote yes, but whether they vote yes or no, we're no. going to change so it. Sh shades of Lisbon. In, in, in a year's in, time. In, in again, you know, yeah. we have, uh, let's be quite honest, we have very, very lukewarm support from Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael and the Greens because I think their councils on the ground know that there's a lot of people who are going to say no or mm. don't know and they don't want to go out and canvass those people. Call it for me, Alison. Call it for me. Um, I, my own view is it'll be yes, no, as opposed to yes, yes or no, no. I just really hope it's no, no. Yeah. Um, I don't see the point of this referendum. I think there's an awful lot uh, of more important, um, say, um, elements we should mm. be having referendums on. I just, I'm quite sinister in my belief of what's going to happen from this referendum. Um, and we're not getting clear mm. and concise information. And, and can I finally, before I move off, can I ask you about what the carers are saying? Because Richard Malloy was on with me and we're hearing from several carers to say, OK, like Sinn Féin, we're saying this is not perfect by a long shot. But if we vote no to this, it's going to be decades down the line again before the, the invisible work of carers will be recognised. But probably. how will it be recognised? Yeah. Like, how is it going to be recognised? They're going to strive for change in inverted commas. Like, this isn't going to protect anybody. 
I don't see this being, I think this is taking accountability away from the government. That's all I see. I do not see how this is going to protect carers in any sense. Right. Kieran, what about that? Because carers are telling us that they're so desperate for it to be recognised that they're they're grabbing onto this. Isn't this what the proposal says? The state recognised the provision of care by members of a family to one another. It's no longer the mother or the father. Members of the family, brothers and sisters, there's a special place now being given to them. I, I'm certainly voting yes. Mm. All right. To, but just on care, sorry, Liam. Yeah, let's, just let's, a word let's, on that. Let's go on to care there. So it, it recognises that care has now moved from the primary role of the mother to the whole family. Where's the recognition for non-family carers? Where's the recognition for carers who go in into somebody's house, which there are quite a lot, home carers, they're not recognised by this. There's absolutely nothing stopping the government right now from re- giving carers the recognition that Richie wants, which is that they get proper pension provisions, mm-hmm. which is they get proper pay, which is they get proper holidays. Absolutely. That's what carers want. Yeah. Carers don't want a couple of extra lines yeah, yeah, in the Constitution. But, but the government are saying that now, if this is a yes vote, you can bring the government to account where carers are concerned. But for, for, for 87 years... Uh, a mother shouldn't have had to work outside the home under the constitution because that was the line that was in it that a mother should not have to neglect her duties because of economic necessity and for 87 years the government didn't look after mothers in the home why do they think now they're going to look after carers in the home? Right. I mean, my my attitude with with a lot of this the the mother's issue is the language is a little bit archaic it's language from 1937 I would have less issue with it if it said you know a parent should not have to go out because of economic necessity but the reality I think is the government thought that this was going to be a slam dunk yes yes a couple of months out from a local election right. they were going to get an election win and they were going to have nice momentum going into locals and possibly a general election this year and they've made an absolute dog's dinner of it right so call it for me uh, no no don't know and a very low turnout do you, do you think you're advocating yes Kieran? but do you think it will be yes uh First of all, the family amendment proposal is very concise and very clear, understandable. We can discuss it, but the care amendment is confusing. It does not help. I read it thoroughly last night Mm. and again this morning. It is not quite clear what it is. And that's going to confuse people. But I think things will be carried, I do. And Richie also said the other day, sorry to cut cut in, that his gut told him that this, you know, was right. Like, in all fairness, you can't be... My gut is telling me. What good is that to people who are looking for there'll information a, to come mm, on the radio and say, well, yeah. I'm trusting my gut yeah. on there'll, this? There'll be an awful lot of people like Kieran who will make an awful lot of money in court oh, arguing, <laughs> argue, argue, arguing this point when it could be when no. it, that money could actually be given to carers. It's interesting though the free it's very valid. It, it's somebody it, knocking you, isn't there? It, <laughs> it's interesting the free legal aid though and other organizations are coming up with, with some concerns about uh, ah, yes. about it's some going of to this cause well. a lot of confusion. Yeah. But every act that was ever passed, every amendment in that was ever passed, there was confusion. But then it is teased out five years four three years down the road, we'll say what was that whole fuss all about? This will work. All right, let me take a break. We'll be back for the panel in a moment. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Hi, Brian Hogg. If it matters to you, 
It matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Are men now under threat? And specifically white older men are male, pale, stale, straight, as they've now been uh, coined. So with the strength of the feminism movement and the minority groups finding their voice are older white men now the minority now there's a, f- a few white men here I'm not sure if we're male pale and stale but let, let's uh, find out where this is concerned. Has, has this become a thing Kieran? Is this in your orbit so to speak? The notion well, well, that... Why are you giving me grief? <laughs> <laughs> I came here as a guest today to be entertained as a guest and now I'm becoming the accused <laughs> Yes of course we, it's the feminism yeah. certainly has taken over and, and, and rightly so. People uh, Feminism now should be allowed into every life and every practice and everything. And I just, your, your audience might be interested, when I started nearly 50 years ago, there was no female solicitors or barristers anywhere. None, none at all. None whatsoever. And there was one courthouse they had to build a lady's toilet. Now, I was in court this week. I was the only male in the courtroom. Uh-huh. Female judge, female register. And that is fantastic. That is brilliant. Mm. And that's where it should be. But has it gone the other way now? Because yes, I, now you can feel Yeah, threatened. because the Royal Air Force now, seemingly, they have such difficulty in trying to get balance out there. They're no longer looking for male, white people. Be, they're looking for women or they're looking for people of colour. Oh. Because of diversity. Uh, right. you, you're suggesting you should have a sex change so we can get a job or something. <laughs> don't, don't go there. Okay. Don't, don't, don't no, go but there. Yeah, there is a pressure on male. There's no question of it. But it, it's good too. Mm. We had a run of it for too long without being questioned. Mm-hmm. And I remember years ago a TD coming to a friend's of mine house looking for a vote. And his wife answered and he said to her, absolutely, she, you'll vote the way he does. Ooh. No, no, that happened. Uh, and... A daughter was there, she was 16, he said, Mom, is this the way this is going on? He's, he was a teacher, he came home, there was a horrific row. She said, is this what? So he said, now daughter, you write to Oxford University and tell them the problem. And she did. She got an interview, she was from your country, she got an interview with Oxford, she got a scholarship to Oxford University to study law on that one TD who upset the whole family. It was well, brilliant. Just, just yeah, goes to show you. Yeah. Are you male, pale, stale, uh, do you think, Liam? <laughs> Well, I don't know whether I am, but I do know that, that male, pale and stale men um, do have a disproportionate access to power in Parliament in this mm. country. Um, when I saw the topic last night, I did a little bit of research. Um, there's 2% of TDs in the country in their 20s. 2%. Yet there are possibly 40, 45% of people living in the country are in their 20s. Um, 15% of uh, Fianna Fáil TDs are over, over 65 20% of Fine Gael TDs, 10% of Sinn Féin TDs. 13% of Fianna Fáil TDs are female. 13% of Fine Gael TDs are female. Now there's 35% of Sinn Féin TDs are female. So there's a vast underrepresentation of younger people. There's a vast underrepresentation of females in the mm. doll, and those are levers of power. But is that not democracy? People, so therefore, people yeah. aren't voting for women yeah. and they're not voting for yeah. younger it, it, uh, it, it is. The problem there is, is in the first instance, you have to climb the greasy pole to get on the ballot paper in the first place and it takes time to get through it. And as I said, the levers of power being controlled by older people do not allow younger candidates. It's 25 years since there was a female TD in Tipperary. That's it. Theresa Hearn was the last female TD. Carrie Hatchison before that is even longer again. The average age... You see, the problem we have here, and I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this. I'm sure your your screens will light up. Now you're all in trouble. Because we all know and we'll all say that there is a problem being old, male, pale and stale. 
But when you bring it down to actual having to do something about it, we don't want to do it. Because the TDs in Tipperary, Michael Lowry is 70 years of age, Matty McGrath is 65 years of age, Jackie Cal is 60 years of age, and Seamus Healy, who has announced he's going to run the next election, is 75 years of age. So if three of, three of, if those four guys got elected in the, at the next election, we'd be looking at three TDs, in, right. two TDs well, in their 70s, an one in their 80s. to say that the people you mentioned there are extremely uh, Extremely able, extremely good TDs, so, fantastic TDs, and perfectly entitled to stand. Yes. But the issue is, is younger females, younger males, do not seem to be able to get into the system because they cannot get through the oh, party right. system. No, Alison, how, how do you feel about this, Alison? Well, I think, say, there's definitely, it, it, in government, like, look at Leo Varadkar coming out there recently in regards to that there's not enough white people in the civil service, white men in the civil service. Like, to be honest, is that not a bit of a racist the, comment? There's, there's, there's too many. Non, there's, yeah, there's too yeah. many, sorry. Yeah, not, yeah, um, too many we need more, yeah. say, people, people of, of colour. Or whatever. Yeah. Like... I keep, people seem to keep on forgetting that this is a white country. You know, say, I understand we have a lot of immigration and that, but fundamentally, we that's who we are. You know, how many non-white volunteers died in the Easter Rising? You know, we were a white right, country. But people would say to you, that's not relevant to the Ireland of today in terms of the mix of people that we have now, Alison. Yeah, but I think, to be honest, for, say, our Taoiseach to be coming out, say, I think it's it's putting out one say side of the um of our uh people and like i suppose if we want equality then should we not be requesting that female female teachers resign or retire early to give the jobs to young males because eu figures show that the percentage of female teachers is 87% in primary and 71% in post primary like I'm all for equality and everyone getting a fair chance and the best person for the job, regardless of your colour or your, say, being male or female. Um, and I think, like, Maria Walsh, who we haven't heard since we had the last election coming up, coming out with male, pale and stale. This is like, referring to the feet of all three. Uh, you know, she's female, pale and stale, to be honest, because she hasn't done a thing for us in the EU. And here she is spouting on and because there's another election coming up. What has she done? Like, to be honest, we need people who are capable and willing to, to actually, say, go into government and to speak up and be counted. Whoever not, they are, is it? Exactly. Not people who show up after the end of their term so that they can be re-elected again. And I think that's where there's... I don't think it, male, pale and stale should be the issue. I think it should be everybody fair, but if you're in a position you do your bloody job and don't be disappearing for five years and then coming back again All when right. you need Le to be re-elected. Liam, Liam, you want to get in on that? Yeah? I do. I think Alice has made some fantastic points there. Well, let me give you an example. I think somebody like Alison should be considering herself to run in a general election. But if she did, she has to face the party system. If she did, she has to face that greasy pole. Yeah, if she wants to join a party, she'll be told, wait your turn, go through the, go through the time. And by the time the passion that she has just spoken with now is gone, you almost dampen it out because the guys at the top will say, you're not allowed to say that, we'll tell you what to say. You know, you have an independent yeah, voice but, like that but, but who should the, be allowed but Karen, to talk. Is it still not down to the fact that women don't vote for women quite often? But, so. that's, that's, but I've been involved in the perimeter of politics for nearly all my life, and I disagree completely with Liam. There's no, there is a greasy pole, but that's in every job. Everybody wants to get promoted. If you want to get into politics, get into politics. Get in young, but but people don't want it, friend. They just don't want to be in politics. Why do you think that uh, is? It, it's 
it's tiring, it's exhausting, it's, it, the rewards are minor enough, but it's obsessive. obsessive. I mean, Chino, Siobhan Ambrose is the only lady, I think, in South Tipperary who's continuously in it, and she's very good. But men would vote for of course you would. Mm. But women never vote for women. They don't why, why do you think I that know is? numerous women who got divorced and her friends will turn on them which is extraordinary. They don't support... Women don't support each other when there's hardship. Right. They support each other when there's great success. You're, you're, you're frowning, Alison. You're frowning. Why, why are you Pondering. frowning? Say, I don't agree. I think that's a huge generalistic comment to make there. Um, as a woman myself, you know, um, who has male and female friends and works a lot of a lot with male people... Um, I do think women, I think women of a certain, you know, who aren't, who are comfortable in themselves are happy to support other women. I don't think that, you know, I, I like, it's a rat race. Look, it's, men talk men down as well. Um, oh, yes. But I think it's about if you are... All right. I, I, I must wrap things up there, but I have to ask you, saying that he brought it up. I mean, are you going to run? Are you what? I'm just asking Alison, are you going to run? Um... I, I'm considering it, but I'm not saying a yes. I'm not saying a no because there's a lot of things to be worked out. Can and we ask what I party? don't know yet. Oh, it would certainly be independent. Independent. Yeah. Another independent yeah. from Cashel. Yeah. <laughs> not so, one of your bunch, Keir. So, so oh no, that's a harsh <laughs> so, thing. So you're th you're thinking about I'm it? I'm considering well, it. Friend. I think we were planting fantastic. seeds there with me a couple of weeks ago. Look, it's been something that. I have been approached about a number of times over the years and I've always said no, but I am so upset and disappointed and angry about the state of this country. And I think if we don't stand up soon, mm. we're going to be gone. Fran, oh, can I just... just, just I, really I was on the committee with yes. Alison for many years, a very difficult committee to be on. I never met her before that, but I tell you, she was wonderful. Victims of crime. It was a very emotional committee, a lot of Minister for Justice... She was fantastic, and I'd never met her before that. I knew the family, but that's mm. 15 years well, ago. Well, we're going to appoint you as election manager. Then oh, no, no, I'm too old. No, I'm male, paid, and stayed. And on that note, we'll leave it. Thanks so much. A wonderful panel of Liam and Kieran and Alison today. That's it for me. The other Alison produced. Stephen is on the way with the Time Tunnel, and I'll talk to you on Monday. Look after yourselves in the meantime. Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.